Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, kids. Welcome to another week of Just a Game on the Nation Network. My name is Rob Kerr. I uh, trust uh, you know whom you are. Uh, appreciate you coming back and joining us here today uh, as we get set to do another. I, I'm excited about this week. Uh, we got a couple of twists and turns in it. I'm excited about some of the topics we're going to get to. Uh, obviously, the local hockey heroes are, are an issue, and we will dive in there with both feet. But we've also got uh, lacrosse in this city. Uh, we'll be talking to Mike Board, uh, Bordy. Uh, a friend of mine for a long, long time, going on two decades now. General manager of the Roughnecks is going to join us a little later on. Ryan Pike, for the uh, the editor of FlamesNation.ca. Uh, we'll talk to him about the local hockey heroes. Uh, just a reminder, as always, uh, we are broadcasting live from Treaty 7 Territory. And this, and it remains somewhat, I guess, of a sticking point for uh, a couple of people on the old Instagram and, and other social places. They're still not quite... Uh, not quite happy uh, that we talk about the fact that this is a uh, an inclusive and welcoming place, and all who uh, all who enjoy sports are welcome here, uh, regardless of gender or, or age or uh, sexuality or anything like that. This is a safe place. We're glad you're here. Uh, hope you had a good weekend. Uh, one of the things that I, in, in my journey over the last year or so, I realized that uh, we've all got something. We're all battling something. Um, it was a little up and down this weekend, but. You know what? Uh, it's not as, as egregious as it used to be. Uh, you know that you're going to have days like that. So if you're, as my good friend John Short once, well, not once, he said it all the time. If you're down a court, uh, hopefully we can help you refill a little bit here today. Um, hopefully we'll raise your spirits. Uh, this, this is probably the thing that raised my spirits the most. Uh, a week ago, we were hoping to have... Kelsey Snow, uh, the wife of Chris Snow, who's battling ALS, Assistant General Manager of the Calgary Flames. She was going to join us, come on the program, talk a little bit about Snowy Strong, talk about her podcast, just talk about her family living their lives so publicly uh, to try and draw attention and support and and the the research that's necessary to, to defeat ALS. Um, unfortunately, Kelsey couldn't come because Chris was back in the hospital. Um, it's been a cup, a tough couple six months, but and we'll throw this up here. Um, this, if this doesn't bring you a lot of joy, I don't know what will. Um, Chris, who who was in real rough shape in the fall, uh, was back on the ice with his daughter uh, this past weekend skating. Um, if this isn't something that that puts a little uh, life back in your cheeks and and makes you feel good about. Um, what we're doing here and, and, you know, people. 
I don't know what will. So really happy to see Chris back out on the ice skating uh, with his daughter. Uh, And by the way, Kelsey will be our guest a week from today. Next Monday, she will join us in studio, and we will have that conversation. And I've heard from a lot of you. I I think a lot of people were uh, understood completely why um, she wasn't here last Monday, but definitely want to hear that interview, want to have that conversation. So really looking forward to that. Uh, speaking of uh, of big weekends for Calgarians, uh, a tip of the hat to uh, my dear friend, Amy Bontorin, uh, business manager of the Calgary Hitman. A tip of my hat to my dear friend, Brent Gibbs, director of retail for the Calgary uh, Hitman. A, a tip of the hat to Cassandra Vilgrain and the rest of the staff of the Calgary Hitman. On Saturday afternoon, they honored Bret Hart with a uh, Forever Hitman and the raising of his banner. Um, it was spectacular. It looked spectacular. They did an outstanding job. I love the banner. Uh, didn't know what direction they were going to go f- with the photo, uh, but it's prime. Brett looks good. It's the one I hope they would use, and it, that banner rightfully now hanging up in the Saddle Dome rafters, um, not only for his, his contributions to, to the major junior team or the Western League team. I'm probably the last person that calls it major junior, but the Western League team that bears his name, but also what he's done for our city as an ambassador and, and bringing attention uh, to Calgary, his family, all of those sort of things. It was really, really, really well done. The jersey looked good. Everything about it looked good. Um, you know, I know Dallas Kitt and her crew too over there. There's a lot of people that were involved. Um, uh, I'll give a little credit to my pal, uh, Brett Kenworthy, as well, who took a lot of photos, and I saw those circulating. Um, the game itself, we'll just pass on by, shall we? The game itself, will just pass on by. Uh, but the event prior and the event after with the wrestling on the ice, uh, it just looks spectacular. Very Calgary thing. Uh, very proud of the fact that uh, now other franchises are doing the same thing and and taking advantage and and doing their own games and uh and having wrestling events and and that's really cool um that's what it's supposed to be um from the old show i'll dig out an oldie but a goodie there's six original ideas everything's an offshoot of those so uh, you know borrowing tweaking changing grabbing all of those sort of things that's what happens in, in sports so really excited to see that but really, for me, this weekend, the positives were to see the, the pictures of Chris and, and have him back home with his family and, and participating, and, uh, and Brett getting, the, uh, the, getting his due, quite honestly, getting his due. The local hockey hero, since last you and I spoke, uh, have played two games, one of which was a 3-1 setback on uh, Friday to the Anaheim Ducks, in which they were, uh, for the second consecutive home game, booed off the ice. Um... That game is, you know, you can say that could cost them the season. You could say it was a a nail in the coffin. But let's look at the numbers today, shall we? Uh, Currently tied with the Nashville Predators uh, behind the Colorado Avalanche, the defending Stanley Cup champions who are in the second wildcard spot. Uh, Nashville, three games in hand, tied with the Flames. And the Abs are uh, five points up on Calgary with three games in hand. Um, Again, I'm no math wizard, uh, but I don't like those numbers. But last, uh, last night, the Calgary Flames came out, uh, played a team on the second half of a back-to-back, played a team um, which was putting in a young, untested goalie, which has been their kryptonite all season long. I think the numbers bear that out, but uh, I thought the Flames were you know, full marks for a complete 60-minute home effort and a 5-1 win. Um, really like the game of Jacob Markstrom right now. 
too little, too late. I, I think we can have that conversation. Sure. I think that's a, a fair conversation to have. But I also think uh, for him to go through this entire season without um, showing a little of last season's form would have been difficult. But the fact that right now he's playing the way he played most of last year, at least he has for the last couple of weeks, that's a good sign. It's a good It's It's not a magic pill. It's not a magic spell. It's none of those sort of things. But for him mentally to get back, uh, these games mean something for Calgary. And, and the last thing I think you can say in, in the past four or five games is that the goaltending has cost them. And unfortunately, that was a narrative that bugged this team, plagued this team for a long time. Um, I thought one of the things that was jumped out at me, and I'm just, I'm just bringing it up, and there's always a danger of coaching through television. Uh, I think I, I'd feel more comfortable with this opinion if I had been in the building watching from above or in the building watching from, you know, the bench area, whatever. Um, this is just strictly an observation uh, from watching on television. But particularly the Minnesota games and even the Anaheim game, uh, outshot Anaheim, outchanced Anaheim. But Anaheim took a, a big page out of the Minnesota Wilds playbook. And boy, they they collapsed right on top of Gibson. And exactly what Minnesota did. And probably I wouldn't noticed it, probably wouldn't have said anything, except last night watching Ottawa, that, that's not how they defend. Uh, Ottawa would send you know the wingers up to the points. It would create some space. It would create separation. Um, there was lanes and pathways to the net, to Mandelis. If I was you know the Senators and watching video today, I, I wonder if I would have changed my. Um, I wonder if I would have changed my defensive structure. I, you, that's not how the game is played. You have an identity. You play to that identity. But it really struck me on on Friday that Anaheim just put everybody five loaded them right in that home plate area, right below the, the hash marks for the most part. Flames tried to get bodies in front. Um, it just was so hard to get pucks through. It was so hard to, to uh, thread path, uh, passes through. And um, the, the reality is the skill of this team, I don't think, uh, overcomes that. They, they need to do something to draw bodies out. They need to do something to create those lanes. I, I think they want to try moving the puck from board to board I think they want to try and get the you know the defenseman chasing Anaheim Minnesota weren't doing that Um, then you're left with trying to pick corners then you're left with trying to make skill plays and as the old guy in the room uh, and I I I love Tyler Toffoli and what he brings to you I I love Kadri and what he brings to you but these guys are not elite shooters they're not Jerome McGinley they're not um, you know Mike Camilleri I, I could be talked off of this thought. I don't even think they're, um, I'm not even sure they're, uh, you know, they're Matt Kachuk. Um, you know, Kachuk used to drive everybody nuts around here, right? Because he'd try to go between the legs and he'd try the sharp angle stuff. And we all went, oh, oh, oh you know, guffaw, guffaw, guffaw. You know, he's lucky he plays in this era. He would never get away with that with a coach like Daryl Sutter. And, you know, he's still doing it last year, but I go back to the overtime winner in Nashville, and you guys all know the one I'm talking about between the legs. Um, this is just not a skilled group like that from top to bottom. It may develop that. Pelche may develop that. I think Huberto is an elite passer. But when they play these teams that collapse to the front, they just it just seems to bounce off the side of the net or low percentage shots. 
pretty simple. I would defer to, to those who are doing more coaching than I am or, or watching more video than I am. It's just an observation I wanted to make that I, I really noticed it last night that Calgary seemed more successful against Ottawa because the Senators were – they just played differently. They'll challenge your point, man. They want to use their speed. They want you to cough the puck up and go. And, hey, it created some odd man rushes, and, and Markstrom bailed you out. Um, anyway, just a thought. Uh, and another thought I have, uh, continuing with a theme that I have brought up previously, um, why, why isn't Michael Backlund the captain of this team? Why – why is Michael Backlund not the captain of this hockey club? Um, you probably read the comments post-game from Rasmus Anderson, who pointed directly at Michael Backlund, another two helpers last night. Um, was great on the penalty kill. You know, uh, perfect player, no, but nobody is. Uh, drafted by this team back in 2007, developed by this team, uh, traded away by fans and media of this team on many, many occasions when he was a young player but has certainly grown into the role of a preeminent uh, second-line center, um, probably playing more, given more offensive responsibility than maybe you want with a Kachuk and a Goudreau in the lineup and, and you know, those kind of offensive players. But I have to think, this is one man's opinion, but I have to think this is probably the biggest impact that Michael Backlund has had on a Flames season. Now, granted, not going to the, the playoffs by the looks of it, but he's been really, really good. And there's no fault in the effort. Um, the other intangibles that I like that, you know, outside of the on-ice conversation, he and his wife, Frieda, are huge in our community, um, are, are seen in our community, not unlike previous captains, Giordano and Aginla. Uh, making a difference, having an impact. Um, now, again, this all goes back to Daryl Sutter's reluctance to name a captain, uh, pointing to it being a Canadian market and being it too much. Uh, I, I think that's a convenient reason, or, or I wouldn't use excuse. I think it's not an excuse when that's what Daryl thinks. That's that's how Daryl's mind works. He he, you know, looks at it and says it's just not high. I just don't want a captain. Um, there are a lot of guys uh, that have played for Daryl that say in many ways he's the captain of the team. He does a lot of the captain things inside that dressing room. Um, I just think it's a miss. I, I really do think it's a miss. I think um, you're a year away from potential free agency for a guy that's been here his whole career. Um, we can have the debate about potentially overpaying uh, in that situation. That's been done before. I grant you that. Um, I, I would think that anything beyond two or three years uh, lengthwise for, um, for Backlund will probably take him very close towards the end of his, his, his career. But I just I watched him again last night. I've watched him all year. I think he has been one of your best. I think he has been uh, a guy that has, has tried his best to carry his team. Uh, never an all-star, won't be a Hall of Famer. Um, but will probably be long remembered as a, a really capable player. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just watched him, and I thought, mm, he, he should be your captain. And the way Rasmus Anderson is talking, was talking about him post-game last night, all of those sort of things, understand, I get it for uh, 
you know, I'm, I'm having a different conversation that I think the most fans are having right now. I think there's, you know, some anger and vitriol and all the things that go into um, missed expectations or, or uh, lowered expectations or, or just a complete miss like this season has seemed like. Um, you know, the, the, this is a team that has underperformed most of the year. So I, I, I gather some of you probably don't want to have a conversation about guys who are having career years. I get it. Fully get it. Um, by the way, we are live from the Oodle Noodle Studio, as we always are. Uh, we're not just crazy about noodles. Oh, no, 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 no. We put the same energy back into the community. Oodle Noodle, two locations in Calgary and area, 1244 17th Avenue Southwest, 105 Main Street North in Airdrie, pickup and delivery. Uh, Mike Borg, general manager of the Calgary Roughnecks, uh, scheduled to join us here in a couple of moments. The Roughnecks host their annual St. Patrick's Day game on Friday against the Saskatchewan Rush. Um, good season right now for, for the Roughnecks overall. Uh, we'll get into it with Bordy. Uh, they just come off going down and beating the NLL champion uh, Colorado Mammoth in their own building. Um, they are trailing. I, I'm not sure if he's going to find this as funny as I do. They are trailing the Calgary Roughnecks south, if you will, uh, the, uh, the Seals of, of San Diego. Uh, lots of fingerprints on that, and they're really doing it. I, I, I don't want to say they're doing it on defense, but um, boy, they've got some interesting numbers when it comes to defending uh, against some pretty good offenses. So we'll get to Mike Board in just a second here as well. Coming up, Ryan Pike joins us from Flames Nation. We'll talk about the Calgary Flames. We'll also talk a little bit about the Calgary Wranglers. And there was a meeting for a new building, a new event center last Friday. We'll get the latest on that. All right. As promised, I'm really excited about this. One of the first guys when we announced the show who reached out, congratulated, said, anytime you need me. And I said, well, (laughs) we should do it, leading into arguably your biggest regular season game. Mike Board is the general manager of the Calgary Roughnecks. He has held that position since 2011, although it seems like yesterday we were sitting in shanks talking about Flames games. Bordy, how are you, buddy? Okay, I can't hear you. Are you muted? Hold on a second. We'll get you there. Don't worry. The good news is Bordy can hear me. So we just know it's one little thing. Um, We might have to get you to reconnect. Um, Might have to get Gav to jump on there. I think we're going to get a microphone is what we're getting. So we'll get to Bordy here in a second. Um. Yeah. Did I mention the theme song? I'm just buying a little time until we get Bordy hooked up here. Um, we, we've, we've got this great look. We don't have a theme song, and I've, I've been talking about this for a little while now. I'm going to rectify that. If you uh, watch the show or stream the show or listen to the show on Wednesday, we are finally going to have a theme song for this here bad boy. Um, and I'm done with generic uh, free tracks, and I'm jun- done with uh, things that sound like uh, I want a actual just the game theme song. I want a, a song that is created for this show. I happen to know a guy, so we are going to uh, jump in on Wednesday, and I think you're going to find out that we've got a brand new theme song. So that I think has bought me enough time. Should we try Mike again? Is uh, do we? Okay, how about now, Mike? 
No, I can't hear you. Okay, <laughs> it's okay. Gavin, do you want to you want to take over here, and we'll see if we can't hook uh, Mike up and and get him connected. Um, I'm hoping it's not on my end. I wonder if it, Gab, it might be on my end too. I'm wondering if uh, we set up the Rotocaster the right way. So uh, we'll get somebody to take a look at the Rotocaster just to see if maybe I'm not getting the uh, the volume from Bordy because Bordy does have a, a microphone now. Um, hmm. We all we got the right things on, guys. Should be okay. All right. Hmm. Okay. Well, we'll leave it uh, for a second. And Gav, do uh, you want to maybe give Bordy a call and just we're set up on this side. Um, it's the joys of this new adventure, isn't it? Just trying to make sure everybody gets on. So we'll get Bordy on. Don't worry. We know Pike can get on. That's not a problem. Um, oh, and by the way, uh, if you're a baseball fan, Canada and the U.S. played tonight at the World Baseball Classic. Canada crushing Britain 18-8 uh, to eight yesterday in seven innings. Mercy ruled them. And the U.S. lost. They won their first game against Great Britain, but they lost yesterday against Mexico. So this is a later game tonight, I believe, 8 o'clock our time. Um, interested to see how this whole thing plays out. Um, big crowds. Like, the, the crowds were into it. If you watch that uh, U.S.-Mexico game, it was a full house in, in Arizona, and they were all over it, uh, especially when <laughs> it, was a, it was a half and half crowd. So when Mexico went up big, uh, they were certainly letting the American fans know about it. Um, anyway, Canada uh, with a big – oh, by the way, um, Tyler O'Neill. Yes, it's Great Britain, and I, I want to take that into consideration. Uh, Tyler O'Neill, four for four, uh, four runs, four RBIs, and two walks yesterday against Great Britain. So, um, you know, again, uh, I think they set a record. The, the 26 runs combined was a record for the World Baseball Classic. Uh, Great Britain dropping to 0-2. Um, anyway. So we'll watch with uh, the further Canada goes in this, of course, the interest will raise. Uh, but a later game tonight um, that you can catch um, on Sportsnet. I believe they are covering all of this and more. Take another opportunity just to remind you um, that we are in the Oodle Noodle Studio. Local Love Delicious, since opening their first store back in 2005, Oodle Noodle has been all flavor and just the right amount of weird. Two locations, 1244 17th Avenue Southwest, 105 Main Street North in Airdrie, pickup and delivery. Gav, am I going to try him one more time? Should we try? Mike, I think we can hear you this time. We hope so. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Is this Gavin's a wizard. Well, no, this this reminds you of our old Shanks days when I had to set up equipment. It was always life and death whether or not we were getting on the air, right? <laughs> yes, I remember those days. Hey? Yeah. That, in, yeah. Some, in some ways, that feels like yesterday. Yes. Doesn't but, feel like it's that long ago, but time flies in this business, I guess. Next year will be two decades since the Red Mile started. Wow. Right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Holy yeah, cow. 2004. Yeah. What a, yes. 2011 for you, you give up the dark side and you join you know, sports. You become a general manager of the, of the Roughnecks. Does that feel like 
just yesterday? I mean, you're heading into what? Year number 12, right? Yeah, it, uh, it's, it's gone quick too, I'm going to suggest. Um, so yeah, it feels, uh, didn't realize someone had mentioned it to me not that long ago saying, yeah, how many years have you been at this? And I, I was sort of thinking 10 and then I thought about it again. Oh, it's more like we're in the 12th. So yeah. <laughs> so uh, time flies. Oh, yeah. Okay. Time flies when you're having fun, Rob. So right? yes, it does. So let's, let's start there. How have you changed in 12 years as a general manager? What, what did you, what do you know now that you didn't know, or what skills do you have now that you didn't have when you took over this franchise? Um, well, I think there's always the, the business side always grows. Uh, you know, we, we do live in a bit of a cap world, so, uh, that becomes part of it. So I guess I'm getting better at my math and, and, uh, building some spreadsheets that way. I think the other part is is um, managing athletes because I think the athletes have changed in that time span and okay. a, it's a different generation. And um, I think there's more um, that the athlete expects from an organization. Um, so I, I think that has evolved a little bit from what I would have called old school to right. uh, perhaps new school. So flesh that one out for me a little bit, Bordy, because we've – you know, we've all had those conversations about how the hockey players have changed and how have lacrosse players changed. And when you, you know, you watch hockey, you've covered hockey, you talk to the GMs over there. I mean, is it, are the athletes evolving in all sports the same way or is it sports specific, the evolving? Um, I, I think it's, it's all sports to be perfectly honest. Mm. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's just, it's kind of a different world and there's, you know, the CBAs become very important and what's written in those CBAs obviously becomes very factual and, yeah. and there's expectations on that um, where, you know, I think at particular in our league, I, I don't think there was a lot of, you know, there was, it was kind of a loosey goosey, I guess, CBA when I first started mm-hmm. and there's been a lot more buttoned down and um, you know, there's a lot, there's just a lot more, um, that teams are required to, you know, supply the players, pay the players, um, you know, how, how you look after them, um, you know, hotel wise and a, a bunch of those things have, have changed. So I think it's, um, I think, you know, the expectations are, are slightly different. I, I, it may be the same in many workforces right now with, with a, a different generation coming in. So, um, you know, those that's, that's been a pretty big, adjustment to to get used to and you know if you miss something they certainly will let you know that you missed something so which is fine it's it's all within their rights to do so so um that's a bit of a learning curve that you just have to be on top of who do you think had to adapt the most managers or coaches when it comes to dealing with the new athlete oh that's a good question i i would think coaches uh more so than managers um as ours is more on the contract side or, or, you know, those types of things um, where the coach is more day to day with that player. And, you know, um, rather than screaming and yelling at him, then, you know, you know, a guy well enough that it's okay. It's, it's time to give him a pat on the back and, you know, that'll get him back. Or, you know, there's just different ways to, to skin the cat when you're trying to get guys to perform better and things like that. So I think it's more, I think it's more on the coaches, Um, but the coaches in, you know, managers consistently talk. So, mm-hmm. you know, the ideas are, are shared amongst everybody, but, uh, 
I think delivery wise, it's it's probably the coaches. Because I know you and, and I have a little bit more insight into your history than most do, I, I always wanted to ask you this question. You were involved in, um, I believe, a labor stoppage when you were on the media side. You and I were around when the NHL did away with an entire season, which was somewhat unprecedented. And I believe you've now served on a couple of CBA negotiation committees for the NLL. Did you ever expect your path would take you into labor so much? Was that... Is that all? Is that uh, been no. an accident, or how did that work? No, um, you know the the this one uh, like with the with the NLL, um, there were there's a number of committees, uh, and you're allowed to sit on two, and so we identified, um, you know, the player relations committee, which is the negotiates the CBA, yep. and the competition committee as two very important committees that we should have representation on. Sure. So you have two board of governors and, you know, so I sit on two and, um, you know, like a Mike Moore, our VP um, sits on two. Uh, and then we have uh, Cam Olson, who's our CFO, and he's on the executive committee. So we've kind of tried to cover our bases and know what's going on around the league yeah. um, that way. So, yeah, I didn't really put my hand up to get into the labor side of things, but, um, you know, it, it is a pretty important committee. So, sure. Um, you know, we've been, uh, we've been pretty, pretty busy. There's been a couple of busy summers that we've had to get some CBAs done and it sure cuts into your time because it happens, you know, almost constantly and for long days. How do you process confrontation in these situations? Um, you know, when you were in the media, you were recording confrontation, right? Like you, you know, did the coach and the player get along? You have to sit in those situations, Mike, and you've listened to players, you know, it, these things get heated. How, how, what's the Mike Board theory or, or secret to, to dealing with, you know, hostile players and, and you know, precarious situations? Uh, you know what I think in most cases, you just, you have to be professional and you have to have a, um, a calm approach to it, I suppose. Uh, you can calm, but stern Mm -hmm. Uh, you know i I don't i don't think shouting matches do anything and i think you have to you also have to be able to listen um you know you hope that the other side is listening to your you know your thoughts and uh, i think you have to take into consideration their thoughts and and uh you know see if there's a happy medium uh if there's not a happy medium then it's a you know it's a it's a no we're not going to do that right sort of thing and and you move on to the next you know, issue, particularly in collective bargaining, you, you know, there's so many parts, moving parts in it that, you know, you, and, and many do tie together, but lots of times you, you know, you want to, you want to look at cause and effect. If we do this, how does that affect this over here? So, you know, it's not, that's why usually why it takes so long for, for things to, to sort of percolate. But um, I think it's, I think it's having a, you know, a professional, approach to it that you, you know, you want you can try and put yourself in their shoes and you hope that they put themselves in your shoes and see where, you know, both sides come out with a win-win if possible. And I, I do want to point out, I don't want anybody to interpret this as you're in the middle of it. You have labor peace right now. You're, you already have a negotiated deal. So, so things are good right now, right? They are very good for yeah. the next, uh, I think this one's got two more years after this season. So okay. we've got a, 
a three-year with, uh, with I believe options to extend. Perfect. Both, both parties agree. So we're in, we're in pretty reasonable shape at this point. So that's kind of your journey in the last 12 years, you know, away from the game, but then the things that you've had to deal with, what about the league itself? Like how has the NLL grown or changed in, in the 12 years that you've been at the helm of a team? Um, you know what? I, it's obviously grown in team numbers. When I first got here, it was nine teams and, um, you know, we're up to 15 at this point. So, uh, it's grown with expansion for sure. Um, you know, teams have shifted around and moved to different cities. Um, you know, there's a team in Georgia now at Soda, for example. So, yeah. um, you know, there's, there's been those kind of growth, um, that, particular growth is adding the number of teams and I think growing now is you know it's still a ticket driven league mm-hmm. but they are trying we are trying to you know get on television get broadcast moving a little faster than than it has in the past we've tried different methods but um and try and get some traction in that area to to obviously attract uh, you know bigger name sponsors and and more money to to keep things uh, keep things moving forward because there's not a lot of teams that you know that are making oodles of money at this and right. uh, you know it's it's how long can can you do that for uh, before you have to reconsider and you know we'd like to keep everybody together and actually keep expanding so I think broadcast is a is a big focus and I think it's evolved. From where it was before, we were probably, you know, when I first got in the league, I think our games were on YouTube, um, and that was it. So, you know, now we're on TSN and ESPN Plus, yep. um, and you know, on the the um, web platforms of of both. So, I think that's an evolution that uh, it's taken a lot longer than I I think we would have liked, but I think that's probably the the biggest evolution. Um, the player pool. That, that's the, you know, it's funny. Again, I go back to your previous life as, you know, a beat reporter covering the NHL, and you know that was always a concern. Uh, are there enough players? It seems to me that that's almost the opposite in the in the NLL, isn't it? You know, you got from 9 to, to 15, 16 teams. How, how, is, how healthy is the player pool of, of box lacrosse players in North America? I, I think it's still pretty healthy, um, but it's not as, you know, I can go back to our, you know, the first two or three drafts that I was a, a GM at and, and you knew if you were in the top 10, you were going to get a, a player who was going to step into your lineup. Right. And now it's, it's probably, you know, the last few years, it's probably been, you know, top five or mm-hmm. six picks, you know, we're going to step in. So, um, you know, there's still lots of players out there. Um, it's, I, I just don't think the, the box player um, has developed um, the way we would have liked or or been picked up in the U.S. as much. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a bit of a focus because there's lots of kids who play lacrosse yep. in the U.S., but it's field lacrosse. So how do you get them into interested in box? And and, uh, and and I think the league is working on a lot of grassroots programs with U.S. lacrosse to to uh, to grow that. All right. Uh, enough about the the others. Let's talk about your team. Um, you know, you come into this season, and and you know, one of the storylines is you lose. You know, your arguably your best player in, in Curtis Dixon. Um, however, as I look at the standings, um, as we sit here today, uh, you're chasing. Well, the team that he went to. I mean, I, 
are we allowed to call them the the Roughneck South? Is that what we do in San Diego? <laughs> there's, there's, there's some fingerprints of, there, right? There's a, there's a that's fair. There's a good number of our players that have have landed uh, landed on the beaches in San Diego for sure. But you so. you're eight and four on the season. Uh, you know, a little bit more than than halfway through it. Your evaluation. I mean, you've done this long enough. I I'm, I'm kind of curious. You know, at what point do you begin to take your record seriously? And I, not the way that it sounds, but you, you know what I mean. When you when do you really feel like you know what you have? Yeah, I think uh, it it's it's right in about now. Our trade deadline is is uh, is next week, so mm-hmm. um, you know I think there'll be some moves uh, made by a number of teams. Um, it's there's there's some separation in the East, so there's you know potential sellers, buyers, those those kind of things are developing and. Um, I'd say right now that we're, you know, we're in a situation where we want to be a buyer and, okay. and, uh, and take a run. So, um, we've had, it's a, it's a very different team from what we've had in the past. It's, you know, we always had plenty of offense, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, we, we kind of had to shift knowing, you know, how things could turn out with, you know, the departure of Curtis Dixon and Dane Dobie the year before. Um, so we've, we've built it basically you know, a, a very strong defensive team with a good transition game yep. and a really, really good goalie. <laughs> and that's kind of what's got us to where we're at right now. And, and, you know, that formula is working. Um, but I think, you know, and our offense is, 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 is still producing, but you know, it's, it's the playoffs become a different beast and you're, you're probably going to have to, you know, find some more goals five on five. Let's talk about, some of these guys, unless I mean, to me, Christian Del Bianco is now the face of your team. I guess Zach Career probably falls into that, but there's there's an there's almost a unicorn element to Del Bianco, isn't there? In in what he brings, um, you know, he's also got an incredible personality. He's uh, fun. I don't know if he's a fun follow for a GM on social, but he's a fun follow on social. Um, tell us about where Christian Del Bianco fits in all of this for you. He's, uh, he's the backbone, um, to be perfectly honest. And I, he's, his numbers, um, are MVP like for sure. Goalie of the year, like in my opinion, hands down, but, um, I think he deserves some, you know, you look at his numbers, he's right up there in save percentage. He's, um, you know, goals against average. And that's a, you know, I mean, both are team numbers, but, he has he's he's the kind of guy that allows us to play the defense and transition game because if we make mistakes nine times out of ten he's he's there to to bail you out. Um, and then I look at how he moves the ball. I mean he's got eighteen nineteen assists or yeah. and it's um, I, I just I give him all kinds of credit. He he's sort of was very disappointed in his season last year and um, has come back with uh, with a vengeance and he's he's spent his you know. He's spent his time in the gym. He's he works on those, you know, passing the ball mm-hmm. to a you know bucket at the end of the practice. He's throwing the balls into buckets at the other end. So he's uh, he's worked at his craft, and I got to give him full credit for it. So um, you know, he's he's you know he's a real good teammate, um, and he's actually he's okay for a manager. I mean, I don't necessarily watch him on Twitter or, or social that much, <laughs> but but. Uh, um, um, he's a good, he's a really good kid. He's matured a lot since we got him on it as an 18 year old. Yeah. And, uh, he's a leader in there. He's a leader in that room and, um, always easy to talk to. And, you know, he's a, uh, he's a guy that, you know, 
he'll pick up the phone and say, Hey, Bordy, how's your week going? You know, <laughs> like, what are we doing this week? And right. I said, I don't know. How's the team feel? And we'll have a chat, you know, just sure. that. So he's that a leader. Of, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, developed it totally into a leader and, you know, he cares, um, yeah. you know, he wants to win. And, uh, you know, when you got a goalie like that, I, I look around the league and there's a lot of good teams out there that you know, will not get the same type of goaltending as we've been getting and they don't win as many games. So it's a, it's a critical, critical position. There are about 400 players in the league. He is currently 59th with 18 assists. Like, I, I just love it. Well, I love it, too, because, you know, there's a donation that's made to Kidsport every time he does one yep. of those things. So that's yep. fantastic. Tell me about evolving that particular skill, though. It's, because I, I know when we get into puck handling uh, conversations with goalies that some will, you know, won't allow the ex- experimentation, you know, or Mike Smith, for instance. Oh, my God. When you've got a young Christian Del Bianco, what's the, the mindset? Do you allow him to take those risks? Do you allow him to, to go long? Um, is there any, you know, ever any time you want him not to take those shots down the field? Uh, there are a couple, but mostly we've left it to him. He was very active when he first got, you know, started playing for us. Yep. Uh, and but when I say active, he was chasing down loose balls in the corners mm-hmm. and leaving the crease and that part, we sort of said, you can slow down on that. We don't need you getting hurt. We don't, you know, we don't, you know, how everybody gets excited to see a goalie out of the crease. Yep. And, you know, now <laughs> someone's going to come and want to lay him out. But yeah, um, so we kind of pulled that one back a little bit. But otherwise, um, you know, we, he knows, you know, when to throw it and when not to, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and he doesn't force it that much. There's, there's the odd time where he might, but. Um, you know, only it's probably when we're down or, or we need a goal, uh, to keep, to keep momentum going. But in the, in most cases, he's, he's kind of the quarterback back there and, and him and the coaches will, will talk and, you know, he'll, he sees the ball. He, he gets his rebounds quickly. He's, he's got a lot of time to be able to figure out whether he should, you know, throw the bomb or, Hey, let's, let's not this time. So, um, you know, we pretty much, uh, you know, when he's that good at it, you just you give him enough. You you, you just let him go, pretty I, much. I, I just worry that those who don't pay enough attention to the sport, or they just come to a one game or something, and they see him do that, assume that everybody can do that. It, it's yeah. it's it's you know your next starter, whenever that is, five ten years from now, may not have that skill. Like that's right, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't. I looked a couple of weeks ago when Christian had. You know, 17 assists. I think the next leading goalie had two or three. So <laughs> it's, it's a, a big, it's, it's a big part of yeah. what you can do with your team. And we've got, you know, fast guys on the back end who, mm. you know, they don't need to cheat to get up the floor. They can outrun guys. So, you know, we're, we're not cheating it on D for guys to go, you know, run the floor for him to throw to. And he just like, he hits guys with passes that I'm, you know, I, I, he amazes us, yeah. right? And yep. You're sort of like, how did he get that ball to that guy? Yep. You know, so he's very, uh, very good at it, and we're we're happy to have him. And I hope he's our goalie in the next, uh, you know, five six years. <laughs> so, well, yeah, you take a look at you know at some of the numbers and and just put it all in perspective. Um, you know, <laughs> his eighteen his eighteen helpers puts him uh, tied for third on your team. Do I have that yeah. right? Yeah. So yep. uh, again, 
not not trying to make a mountain out of molehill. I just think that people need to understand there's something real special with that kid, and he's worth. And so is and so is Zach Courier, right? Like oh, yeah. when we talk about Zach Courier, we're also talking about another superstar in the NLL. Yes, hundred percent. I mean, he does everything all over the floor. Um, you know, he uh, really good in transition. He's good on the defense. He's great with loose balls. Yeah, causes turnovers. Um, you know, he's fast. He's hungry. He's like uh, he's he's a guy. You know, there are there are very few of him in the league as well <laughs> that that do so much all over the floor. Having said that. You talked about it coming in that, you know, with the, you know, the defections of, you know, Dobie and, and, you know, of Superman and, and all of these things the last couple of years, you've kind of built from the goalie out. Tell me a little bit about, because you're not, this is not a, and I hope you don't take this the wrong way. This is not a Daryl Sutter version of a lacrosse team. You're not winning four, five, four, or anything like that. You put 16 up against the defending champions. Where's the offense coming from, Bordy? Um, you know what? It's, it's coming from the back end and, and it's a mixture. Um, you know, we, uh, <clears throat> we do tend to score a fair bit in transition. Our guys are, are shooting the ball well, uh, when they, they get into transition. Um, you know, and then, you know, our captain Jesse King is, is up in the, um, scoring race a little bit. So I think he's top 15 or so. So, um, it's spread around. Like it's, it's really offense, you know, kind of by committee. Um, and when you, you know, when you start to get on, you know, the winning ways and, and things like that, there's a lot of confidence in there. Mm-hmm. We've had, you know, a young guy, like second year player, like Tanner Cook has stepped up and is, is putting the ball in the net. And another young guy is only, I think he's only 21. I think he's 20, no, sorry, 22 now. Uh, Hayden Dixon is, yep. you know, he's, he's gaining confidence. So all those guys are, are starting to chip in. And if you look at, you know, let's get, you know, uh, we want to hold the other team to 10. So we're going to need 12 kind of concept. Right. And, you know, you spread that around and say, maybe you get two on special teams. You get a couple of, um, you get a couple in transition, maybe two or three in transition and the rest got to come five on five. Right. So, um, you know, and the guys have done a, a really good job and um, I, you know, if we can keep this up and the guys keep developing the way they are, we're, we're, you know, we're very happy where we're headed. I have done this long enough, and you and I are, are close enough friends that I'm, I'm pretty sure I know the answer that you will give me, but I'll ask the question anyway. You mentioned before, trade deadline coming up. You would like to be in the, you are the, in the position of buyer. Are you big game hunting, or are we going to take a page out of, um, out of Treliving's book, and are you going to work around the edges? What, what, what would you like to do? I think we were going to do both. Um, we're going to search both. Um, but I think when we look at getting out of the West and how tight that race is in the West that, uh, you know, it'd be nice to go big game hunting. Ah, is there big game available yet? Do we know? Not yet. Okay. (laughs) Okay. But, uh, I'll be getting back to the phones after this and see what, uh, see what's going on. There's a lot of, um, it's, it's interesting. You can sort of look and think, yeah, that guy's probably going to be a seller, but, you know, teams have players sort of in the system that went back because of the COVID right. situation have really good players coming out next year mm-hmm. to join them. So they're not, they don't really want to break up their teams because you can, this is a league that you can go from, you know, 
worst to first in a in a hurry right so so there it's it's pretty hard to go big game hunting um you know the biggest one i think this year panther city acquired uh callum crawford who's a top yeah. scorer yeah. uh early um and that was you know that's you know part of our league that he ended up with a job down that way and uh just made life easier for him so you know that kind of is a geographical deal i suppose but mm-hmm. um that was a big game hunting one and i i don't know if there's any of those left okay well again a week to go we will find out i uh, you know i i hope at some point tsn's going to give you guys a trade deadline show you deserve a trade deadline show right that would be nice it'd be nice yeah um what yeah. Are, what are your brethren like like when you're trying to put deals together what are the other general managers like in this league are they Frady cats are they you know gunslingers no, uh, or, or card players or how would you describe your peers i would say they're card players okay. most of them i mean you're you know um you have we started discussions weeks ago to sort of see where people are at and what they're thinking about their players and right you know are you going to resign this ufa or you know is he going to be a rental player for somebody or you know those kind of conversations take place and you know i think it's you know, most are cautious mm-hmm. when they enter into a trade. Um, don't want to give up too much. Don't want to get too little in return. Right. Um, and the market, you know, the markets in our in our league can shift all over the place. So um, I think that's the trickiest part. It's, you know, the deals don't, you, you have to have your conversations done before that trade deadline day. And, and then as the clock ticks, it it develops and there might be a couple of tweaks, but it's usually, you know, it's usually pretty clear, sort of the Sunday before the the trade deadline of how things are gonna are gonna turn out. Is there anybody you won't trade with? Would you do a trade with the team that's coming in here on Friday? Would you Would you do a trade in the middle of the season with Saskatchewan? Um. Well, we did one earlier this year with them. We haven't had that many with them. Maybe two. Okay. Three. Um. But. Yeah, we would. Um, and it's funny in the situation that you're in, like, would you do that prior to this weekend when you're playing them? Nope. You're going to hold on to that one till Sunday. <laughs> and, <laughs> sure. That makes sense. And, uh, and it depends where you are in the standings in that situation. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we picked up uh, the trade we made earlier this year was for um, Josh Courier, who is Zach's brother. Right. Um, who, you know, he basically, you know, was, the next guy up there and, and, uh, but wasn't playing. So, um, we made an inquiry because we'd had, uh, we'd, uh, had an injury and, you know, we felt the right side could use some help. So, you know, we, we made a deal with Saskatchewan, which is always tough mm-hmm. because when you make one with someone you think is, you know, yep. like that's a, another good team that you're going to have to, you know, you want to finish ahead of them. So yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting when you're doing trades in the West for sure let's leave i want to come back and promo the the game this weekend because it's a big one and it's a fun one and all of those sort of things but speaking of fun you know how much i love fun um (laughs) i saw an outdoor game i I saw an outdoor game yeah what did you think what did you make of this was in san diego right? i thought they did i I thought they did i thought they did a nice job i thought it was pretty interesting i was wondering how it would would what the configuration in the stadium would look like mm-hmm. and things like that. So I thought they did a pretty good job to get people as close as possible to the, to the action. And, you know, it's, it's not like you're following a black puck. It's a, it's a pretty fast moving ball out there. So right. um, I thought it was, I thought they did a, I thought they did a really nice job on it. And, 
you know, they had a pretty good crowd for, for San Diego and yep. uh, they got a great day for it. And, you know, I think that might be one of several to come. Who knows? They might have one uh, every year. Oh, so the, was that a league event or was that a team event for the It was NL? a bit of both. A bit of both? Um, okay. You know, San Diego had, had approached the league about right. about doing that and then right. the league got involved as as a bit of a, a partner to help it out. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I look at it and it, it looked like it was fun and, you know, the players looked like they were having fun and, and uh, yeah, I, I think it was a, it was a, a neat, neat twist to our game, particularly in the U S where mm-hmm. people are used to the field game and, right. and playing outdoors. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll bring the box game to you guys and you can still sit in stands and enjoy the sunshine. I, I have wondered about it just because of, you know, this, the scheduling of your season, right? You're, a de, you know, essentially a late November, early December to, you know, a uh, May, June league. It kind of seems a little prohibitive that I could start campaigning for one at McMahon Stadium. I'm not sure I should do that. Yeah, no, we, 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 I don't know when we'd be able to do that. We just have, our weather is just a little too funky in Calgary. Yeah, to, yeah. To, to predict. Right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But, you know, there's... There are other places. I mean, uh, you know, we have a team in Texas now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've always got San Diego. Um, you know, Denver would be another great spot to have a an outdoor game, but their weather is a, similar like here. ours. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 tricky. I mean, um, you know, maybe you do a showcase tour in the summer or something, and have some some game. You know, mm-hmm. have a game out at McMahon Stadium or something. But um, yeah, pretty pretty tricky for us to do one, but. Um, you know, we'd, I, I think for the league, it was a, it was, it was a nice little twist this year. It's Friday night. It's when is I like, okay, this is the sad part, but I think you know me well enough to know why I don't know when St. Patrick's day. Is it Friday? It is Friday. So you are playing yeah. your St. Patrick's day game on St. <laughs> Patrick's day, which you did last year, which was on a Thursday. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. um, are there tickets available for this? Cause I kind of, you know, this is a big game, Bordy. People like this game, Bordy. They do. They do. They have a lot of fun at this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been one of our best over, you know, the number of years that we've been, been holding it. And I think we're, you know, there are still tickets available, but they are going pretty quick. Yeah. Like we've had a lot of presale and, uh, you know, if you're looking to get tickets, you might want to start out today. And, and if that's what you're going to do, then, Book in because uh, I think we're going to have a, a pretty full house. And you will wear a St. Patrick's Day jersey. We do. They just arrived on uh, Friday, and they are out getting the numbers stitched on. And uh, it's a it's a different design from what we've had in the past. Oh. But, uh, it looks pretty nice. Okay. Still in the St. Patty's mode, obviously. Oh, obviously, but, uh, yeah, that goes without yeah. saying. But yeah, a little more green. So we'll probably, to, probably, little... probably unveil them uh, later this week. Okay. A little more green yeah. to them, perhaps. A little, little more, more green. A little more green. A little more green. Not right. too much because we are playing a team that. Well, that is green. Is green, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you, you, but they're lime green, aren't they? Or neon green? Yeah, or they'll, some they'll be, uh, god awful green. Their, they'll be wearing their whites anyway. So okay, we'll be okay. All right. Yeah. You mentioned the trade, but let's talk about the rivalry. Um, you know, was Edmonton is Saskatchewan just for whatever reason? And then the nice thing about them is they travel okay. Like they bring some people to the building, so there's always yeah. a little hate on in this in this game. Yeah, it's a. They've been a powerhouse for a long time. They're they've been a, a real good team for a long time. I mean, uh, I don't think, you know, they they uh, 
they missed the playoffs last year, which mm-hmm. I think was a surprise to most. Um, and, uh, you know, this year they're, they've had some injuries along the way here, but um, they're always a, an extremely tough opponent, whether we're in Saskatchewan or, yep. or, or back here. I mean, I think last year, I think we played them twice in Saskatchewan, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. And we won both of them last year yep. in Saskatchewan, which we have not done since they moved to Saskatchewan. Yeah. Um, that, that building is loud and, and, uh, the fans are, are great. They've got a, they've got a good thing going there. And, uh, I think that just, uh, helps the rivalry. Your crowds have been up too, though, right? I know it was a little sluggish at the start, but, uh, you had the, <laughs> the two in the same weekend. And I, I, from what I gather, you know, you've been getting the, the crowds that you were more used to pre-COVID, is that a, a good way to describe it? Yeah, that, that that's very fair, yeah. actually. And uh, it's taken some time. And, um, you know, I think it's, uh, I, you know, we're, we're all still dealing with that hope, you know, hangover, hangover. from COVID, yeah. I guess. So, sure. um, yeah, so it's taken a little bit of time. But, uh, you know, the crowds have been, have been great. Actually, the players were um, noted on that um, back-to-back weekend that, you know, we had, I think we had 12 and 10 or something along those 12,000 and then 10,000 or something along those lines, which was, those are really good numbers for, mm-hmm. you know, a back-to-back lacrosse game in, uh, in, in Calgary. So, uh, you know, the players loved it. It was, it was great. I think it was probably a, um, from a business standpoint, you know, you never know how the, yep. if you're going to get both nights, uh, with, with great crowds, but, uh, we did. So, you know, we may uh, we may try that again because it's uh, the players don't mind playing two in a weekend without traveling between, right? You are now yeah. not to remind you of something, but you are now four and zero in that situation. Yes, right. I know you're now four and zero in that situation, and yeah. I believe somebody said, "Had you lost a game last year, we would have never seen double or two in a row at home again." But now it's a must add to the schedule because yeah. you're winning, right? Yeah, that's yeah, how it it's works. Interesting, like it, in, and I. You know, I go through some of the stats sometimes and look at back-to-backs and who wins on the back-to-back, mm. uh, on the second game of the back-to-back. And very often, if the team has played on Friday and then play again on Saturday, they win on Saturday. Right. And, and I don't know why, but it just, you know, um, it just seems to be a bit of a trend. In a lot of cases, the the team that... Uh, that has played one game already on the weekend wins the next one. I didn't even pay attention to this. Do you? Will you play... Will you play Christian in both situations? Have you any consideration to not playing your goalie in back-to-back situations? No, we yeah. would uh, okay. unless he's you know unless he says something to us that he's he's fatigued or right or whatever. But uh, no, we would uh, he actually we'd probably have to drag him out. I was about to say onto the net. I was about <laughs> to be. say eighteen games <laughs> yeah. as opposed to eighty-two games. You could yeah. probably get away with it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he 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 wants to play every minute of every game for sure. All right, uh, again, this Friday, St. Patrick's Day, special jerseys. You know, we love our jerseys around here. A little more green <laughs> in them, which I like. Um, we, one day we'll get you back on, and we'll have that conversation about your Star Wars jerseys again. Because I yes. won't, I won't be doing that to you again. I won't be. Hey, do you like a tauntaun? And you looking at me like I have three eyes. Won't have that conversation again. Um, what I would like to do is before I let you go. Um, and you know this because I've said this to you. I, to me, you've been such a huge friend and a great mentor for me. I just like to pick your brain a little bit on what you used to do. You were were you not the first full time employee of CalgaryFlames.com? 
I uh, yeah, and for a while the only right. I well, I know I, that goes without <laughs> saying. Not with all, yeah. And I I credit you because uh, you know we were doing you were joining me as a radio analyst when we were doing Flames games at Shanks North and Shanks South, and um, you were the one that introduced me to newsreader. And I still use a newsreader thanks to you. Um, but you also pointed out something to me that was really interesting. And I, I really want to take a moment just to let you take a victory lap on this one thing that, and I said it to you, um, way back, I want to say 2007, uh, flames did a deal with Sportsnet, And, and you said to me, I asked you what you thought of the deal and you said it was good, but you know, wish you got the digital rights, which you got the video rights. Um, and I had no idea what you were talking about, but, um, you were an early, you understood early the importance of video. And here we are now in 2023, and there are some who suggest, Forty, that the, the, the highlight, the, the access to highlights might be worth more than the actual games by 2030. You look back at that part of your life and what you've seen, um, you were kind of an, an early adopter to all this. Are you surprised where we are digitally now in, in the world of sports? Uh, gee, I think, you know, I... I... To be honest, I think it's come leaps and bounds from what I would have predicted back then, I okay. suppose. Yeah. Um, just in- How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. In the, the, the way it's, it, it can be delivered now, and you mentioned the short highlight clips, and yep. you know, there's so many companies out there that you know the league, our league, for example, can employ a company and they you know we get their software and the the goal clips are done like within 20 seconds of the goal happening and you can you know grab it and put it on twitter or instagram or whatever 
that part I I think has developed quicker than what I what I thought. But um, the way people are consuming their information and their sports these days, that makes sense, right? It's quick, it's easy, it's in my hand, and I can see everything. So um, yeah, I I I think it's it's advanced, and and it's probably going to evolve even further. But um, you know, as 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 things unfold, but I think it's a really it's it's pretty neat like you're you're you know as a fan you can mm-hmm. keep caught up without having to be in a building which we're mm-hmm. ticket driven so does that help us or not i sure. don't know but hey um it's it's about creating fans and excitement around your team and and uh and i think that helps do you ever think about how the world might have changed if if, if and it wasn't that they weren't listening to you that's not but again, you you in 2007 were saying, geez, I wish we kept the rights. The team kept the rights to the video. How would that have changed and shaped sports, man? Like that's, if, if the teams had kept the rights rather than giving them up. Yeah, I think that, uh, I, you may, I, that would be interesting, right? I mean, now you're, it's it's yours as another property to to generate some revenue, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, you know, TV people on the other side and, you know, the broadcasters and the, the companies there were probably thinking along the same lines and saying, wow, this might, yeah. this is someday going to be pretty valuable. So, yeah. you know, I don't know if there was, you know, in any negotiation and I don't know if there was a deal to be struck to keep everybody happy. Right. Right. But, um, you know, and here we are sort of in that, in that time. And, you know, there may be some, there may be some deals that come up now that are, Hey, you want the digital rights too, you know, and it's on top of, and off you go, right? The uh, And the last one I'll leave you with, the single only employee of CalgaryFlames.com, the first one, what do you think of the fact that now CalgaryFlames.com is the largest sports media entity in Calgary? That is, isn't that an interesting... It isn't it? <laughs> um. You know, I, I go back to the early days and, you know, Tori Peterson is, yep. is one of the people that um, first joined, I think she might've been employee number two actually, but <laughs> um, she was at school at the time and came in on a, um, on a, a work practicum type thing. Yeah. Work practicum and did a great job. And, you know, next thing you know, she was full time kind of thing, right. While she was going to school. So, um, and I can remember us scrambling to try and keep up with all of the media in town to be able to tell the stories and get the news out. And, you know, it was, it was so different and just the way the newspaper and, you know, broadcast industry headed, yeah. it, it's interesting. And I think that was a trend at the time that, you know, the NHL had seen at least that, um, you know, what teams beef up your, your digital side of things, because, you know, you are going to be delivering, the team message more so than, you know, the media that mm-hmm. the mainstream media that we know today. So a little bit of foresight on the, on the league's part there to, to, to get that, to get that ball rolling. But yeah, the, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. I walk by the digital, <laughs> digital spot every day and go, wow, look at all those people. Well, <laughs> so, I, I, and it's great. Yeah. So it, it's to me, but it's how much you try or how much you innovated, how much you tried and how long the drag was until it happened. Because the other one would be, I remember you, you came to Shanks one day and you got me to sign up for a, some sort of fantasy 
some sort of, uh, you, you started a little fantasy program for calvaryflames.com. Yeah. And I would sign up and I, I can't remember what I was predicting in those sort of things, but now you look in and the, on, you know, obviously legalized betting, but, but, but we're talking about 15, 16 years ago, you were testing this stuff out and now it's a reality that that's the crazy part to me. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting business and yeah. you know, that, that whole digital side, um, I think is, is still got lots of room, room to grow. Sure. Um, and it's how, you know, how do you keep eyeballs on your, you know, information without, you know, scaring them away with too many commercials or whatever it is that it might be, because you got to, you know, people want to get their information quickly and have a discussion about it, you know? So, um, it's a, it's tricky, but I think, you know, uh, I, I, I think it's going to evolve more and, and, you know, maybe we are five, six, 10 years from now subscribing to a NHL highlights package for yep. the night. Yep. Like who knows? Right. But, um, you know, hockey fans probably eat that up. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> um, I think it'll be interesting. I think it'll be interesting too, but I just wanted to make mention of that and thank you because you, you certainly played a large role in, in how I view the sports world and, and, uh, and it's been a lot of fun. Mostly, uh, I just want to tip my hat and congratulate you. You might be here in Calgary. Well, you and probably Huff and Dave have had the most consistent uh, franchises here in the last couple of decades. Somehow you lose your big players you find a way to get new ones. You find a way to get young ones. And I think this is going to be a heck of a season for you guys, but I'm really excited about uh, Friday. It's always great when the Rush come to town. It's always great when it's St. Patrick's Day, and it's always great when you get to wear another jersey. So we'll leave it there. Bordy, thank you for doing this. Uh, appreciate your patience off the top, but uh, we will get you back on, I'm sure, as the season goes on. But thanks for spending some time with us today. Anytime, Rob. You take care. All right, buddy. Mike Bord, everybody. Thanks. Well, you know that because it's a podcast and you know who the guests are. But some of the old radio habits die hard. But again, I can't thank that guy enough because now when I look back at it, dude was just cutting edge. Like he was talking in 2007 about how the team should have retained video rights and what if they did. And and it just seemed like, well, well, no, you're getting money for TV and radio. Why the hell do you care about the video rights? There's a reason. And and he saw it and he talked about it and... uh, and now he's as successful a general manager as you're going to find anywhere in the world of lacrosse. Uh, this last segment brought to you by you. Yes, your business organization or event. We will work with you to make sure we get your message out to the ever-growing audience here at the Nation Network. For more information, go to www.robkerr.ca slash sponsorship. And uh, the Wolverine will get a hold of you. Absolutely, he will. Uh, Let's not waste any time. Let's move on to our regular Monday contributor. You know him, you love him, from flamesnation.ca. And appearances on programs like this. Uh, He is the managing editor over there. He writes like a demon. He's got opinions, and he's everywhere. Friday, he was at city council, and he deserves danger pay, quite honestly, for that. Uh, We bring on our good friend Ryan Pike uh, to talk about the local hockey heroes. Mr. Pike, how are you? Rob, I'm good. I'm I'm glad you had Mike Board on. I'm uh, one of uh, something that I don't think Mike gets enough credit for is I believe it was him and Darcy McGrath started uh, the Calgary Puck Message Board way back in the day. Bordy had a role in that. My understanding is that Bordy. Well, oh, I knew in that. Darcy did. I absolutely know that Darcy. I didn't realize Bordy had his fingerprints I, on that. I forget how much Mike was involved, but I know him and Darcy were sort of uh, the the godfathers of that. And okay. obviously, you know. Uh, you know, Mike went on to do a bunch of other things. Yeah, but yeah. It's uh, as as someone who who really enjoys, you know, just 
building communities. Mm -hmm. It's it's really cool to sort of see folks like Darcy and Mike and, you know, a few other people in the community, you know, really doing a lot to sort of build places for people to interact and, uh, and engage about their favorite sports teams. Well, and, and you were there cause I, I, I saw you. So you heard the last bit, but my God, we were at, you know, we're at Shanks North in 2006 and Bordy's getting me to sign up for some fantasy hockey thing that he's set up. And it's all the precursor to what would come down the line. Right. And you know, when we were talking about the video, why would the team maintain the video rights? Well, the team would maintain the video rights so that they could show highlights uh, to people during the game. Well, what would they show that? Like people weren't taking laptops or desktops to the games. And Mike was going, well, you know, there'll be platforms on their phones, their phones. What are you talking about? He was ahead of the game, man. And here we are living in that world. And it, it does make me wonder, you know, what's next? Like, what are we... What are we overlooking? How are you and I going to be doing this in 20 years? God forbid. But how? What? Who what knows? platform? Who knows, right? It's amazing. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's uh, how things are evolving. are fascinating. It's just, just the fact that, you know, like I, I used to joke that uh, Flames Nation used to be Kent Wilson and I in our spare bedrooms. Uh, <laughs> yeah, putting right. Putting out a bunch of stuff that we hope people would read. And now it's sort of grown into ooh, all kinds of stuff. So it's, uh, it's exciting, but it's yeah. also kind of exhilarating to sort of see how far it's grown for where it started. And there's another Godfather figure, Kent Wilson, right? There's another guy, you know, much maligned blogger in his parents' bedroom that's <laughs> trying to take jobs away from real me. Like I lived that whole reality too, right? Um, and now how the, turbo, the, the turtles, how the tables have turned and the turtles, quite honestly. Uh, but here we are. Um, I'm going to do something a little different this week. Uh, we'll get to the local hockey heroes in a second. Take me back to Friday, City Council. Just what what's the latest? What did you see? What did you hear in terms of the event center? Well, I mean, publicly, there's not a lot. We've, we've been hearing rumblings that uh, a lot of people in council were basically told, uh, hey, if you can't be there in person, it's your best interest to dial in because there's going to be a lot of stuff you'll need to know about. Mm-hmm. And so there's councillors who are out of town who, uh, who dialed in. You know, I think it was... You know, they it went from usually there's a handful of counselors there to basically twice as many counselors in person. And I, and I didn't get a, I didn't get a tally of uh, how many ended up t- tuning in otherwise. But, you know, this thing is starting to move fast there. You know, the uh, Art Aaron and uh, Dan Barrett from uh, CAA Icon were in attendance to give people updates on basically how things are going. They, you know, basically went to a boardroom, spent two and a half hours catching people up and evidently, you know, they had two and a half hours of stuff to catch people up on. So, I mean, you know, the fact that they're meeting so regularly has to be seen as a good sign because, you know, you don't need to meet regularly if there's nothing to update people on. You can send an right. email saying nothing new and then you can save everybody time. So the fact that they're meeting is a good sign. The fact that they're meeting regularly is a good sign. And the fact that they had, for lack of a better term, two and a half hours of stuff that they wanted everybody to get their, you know, their heads around is a good sign. So, I mean... You know, uh, to, to steal a phrase from Brad for Living, uh, you know, it's everything's probably done except for dollars in term. But, uh, you know, I, I think I'm getting the feeling from talking to people that things are inching along ever right. so ever so well, uh, much like everyone else. Uh, I, I when I when I tweeted the the, the update from uh, from uh, 
the the committee chair Sonia Sharp uh, saying that she was thrilled. I got a bunch of replies saying, "Tell me when there's shovels in the ground." And I think a lot of people are in that boat. They're yeah. going to be excited when there's actually a hole they have to fill with a building or something. Well, in in, in fairness to to Tree's point about all it is is dollars and term. That's the sticking point, right? And yeah. and I do worry that maybe we're playing nice around the edges and avoiding the hard part. Now I. I don't believe that CAA is going to do that. I don't believe the Flames would do that. But, you know, at some point, the rubber needs to hit the road. We need to get some details need to be shared because of the public interest and the and the public commitment, oh, right? What, what what ended up happening last time, I was talking with some colleagues. Uh, we were basically, you know, twiddling our thumbs for two and a half hours waiting for them to come out of the meeting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, essentially what happened last time was uh, last time when the event center, I believe it was March of 2019, when they formally uh, resume talks between the city and uh, uh, CSEC. And then by July, by mid to late July, they had a deal. And so we're about, they started talking mid to late uh, October of 2022. And we're about four and a half, five months okay. since then. So, you know, obviously there's more complexities than there were before. Like, uh, you know, the dollars have gone up, the complexities of the deal have gone up, the potential need to either hack stuff out or add people in has probably gone up. So it's going to be more complex. So I don't anticipate it'll be done immediately, but you know, we're about more or less on the same track in terms of committee age, in terms of number of months of of formal negotiations. And last time, I mean, in 2019, we didn't have a playbook. It was a, they didn't have a bunch of agreements from last time. They, you know, they had basically lost a a lot of bad, a lot of, you know, mistrust and bad feelings. And honestly, from both sides, I can see why, why they'd have sticking points and they'd be a little bit of, uh, will have their guards a bit. But this time, I think, you know, the fact that there's, you know, CA icon has their fingers in pretty much every major deal that's been done. They, you know, they know how to get deals done and they know who has money and how to, you know, how these things tend to look. Right. So I don't know. It's, uh, it's an interesting time. I, I have a feeling that like last time this happened, you know, they, we basically got word uh, before a council meeting. Oh yeah. It was on a Friday. We got told, Oh yeah, they might have a deal. They're going to break it to council on Monday. And then Monday we went to council and Oh yeah, they had a deal. Yeah. So this thing could turn much like it last time very quickly from, Oh, they can't tell us much in the, in these meetings because everyone has NDAs. They're being beholden to, yeah. to, Oh wait! Here's a whole deal, and wrap your heads around it very quickly. Okay, uh, I'm going to turn my attention to your screen because I I want to make sure that if I make your eyes roll into the back of your head with my next question, that I apologize <laughs> because it is one of those questions that maybe not necessarily reality as much as you know how stuff churns out there. Sometime is there any role to the fact of the election cycle here that the last time that a deal was done, it was kind of buttoned up against an election, and you can get a tent, you know. Some elected officials get a little tense around there. The fact that we've just had the election and is is the timing of this at all connected to to the election cycle? I wouldn't think so. Okay. I think we're far enough away from the next one that I think some folks on council are sort of you know eyeing potential future moves, and some people are just trying to get the things that they got elected to do done. So yeah. I think you know when when politicians are involved, there's always a little bit of uh, a little bit of playing to the future, a little bit playing to their base, and trying to make sure everything gets done. Right. But I don't think so. And okay. same thing with the with the with the provincial election. Like I, there was no 
you know, explicit funding available for this no. thing in the federal, in the provincial election or in the provincial budget. So I don't think there'll be much in the, the provincial government dating back multiple government changeovers and multiple premiers have always been kind of, right. kind of, you know, down on giving a lot of money for these kind of things. They see it as more of a municipal issue. Um, but yeah, but the we'll current see, I mean, premier would like you to know that she's right on top of it, right? Like she's, she's tried to make it a bit of an issue for her the, campaign. The, the current line from the premier's office and actually the current line from uh, the committee too is, you know, they, they've talked a little bit, but it's essentially it's, you know, the, the premier's office sees it as a municipal project. And if they need help or if they want to reach out and say, hey, can you do something for us? They know who to call. They know to talk to Rick McIver. Yep. But at yep. the same time, I mean, right. you know, unless there's money on the table that's available, I don't know. You know, there's there's a few easements and stuff that you know the the uh, this the community revitalization levy that governs uh, the the Rivers District. Uh, you can't put you can't under the current definition of it. You can't uh, use those funds for direct construction costs of something like an event center. Okay. Uh, the province has the ability to change the wording to allow it. Uh, so it wouldn't really be direct funding, but that's probably the only thing they could do. And that's still money that's sort of under the, uh, the auspices of uh, the Calgary Municipal Land Corporation. So to be blunt, they probably already have plans for all of it already. You know, if you go to Stampede Park and you drive around uh, the LRT renovation is being funded by the CRL, a lot of the road work in and out, mm-hmm. uh, basically everything, pretty much everything around the BMO center. That's not the BMO center itself is being funded by the CRL money. Uh, they have plans when slash if uh, the arena starts getting built, uh, they're going to be transforming. Uh, I believe they're cha- changing the, ta- the they're changing Olympic way to stampede trail. And they're go- basically going to be completely redoing that street into a festival street. And that'll be coming out of CRL money. So even if the province waved their magic wand and said, you can do whatever you want with a CRL, I think a lot of that money has already been earmarked for okay. projects. Okay. Um, one last one on this. And, and this one I don't think should roll your eyes back your head, but I think it's a procedural question more than anything. Last week, there was the announcement of a 2030 Commonwealth bid exploration group. Um, this building that we're talking about was built with the 88 Olympics in mind, uh, arguably the most one of the most important venues in Edmonton was built with the Commonwealth Games in mind in 78. But there is no role that a 2030 Commonwealth Games will play in speeding up or affecting, impacting the construction of the event center? Probably not, no. And okay. even, even with the way the, the, the bid cycle goes for the Commonwealth Games, I mean, there's a lot less infrastructure money usually involved with the Commonwealth Games, a lot less government money from various levels of government involved. And it's a, it's, it's a summer event. So, I mean, yeah. you can probably find a way to use an event center for a summer event, but if you're, you know, I, I think if I'm someone who is really looking forward as I am yeah. to them getting rubber on the road for that, uh, the field house, yes. that might yeah. be the thing I go yeah. and go, Oh boy, they're doing Commonwealth games bid. That sounds really cool. Cause I think that could get an injection of funds in from, from outside to really move that project forward. See, this is the exact reason that Elliot Friedman defers to you on all matters involving the arena and the city of Council of Calgary. So that's right there why you're so important. Damn it. Um, let's talk about the local hockey heroes. Um, they won. They won on. Uh, they Sunday won. Night. They won on Sunday. Um, boy, I don't like their math. Uh, five points back the, at Colorado. Three games in hand. There, tied with Nashville. It's not going to get better. Math it's not, not going to get better. All you can do is win hockey games. Um, let me, rather than us review, cause you write about them, they're there at, at Flames Nation. And I'm, I'm sure by now you're probably done talking about, 
uh, Anaheim. But I want to make I want to run an observation by you because I I said it earlier on the program, but I accept that I, it's a television observation, not an in the building observation. You are in the building. If I was DJ Smith or the Ottawa Senators last night, why would I have not just collapsed on Mandalise? Because Anaheim collapsed on Gibson, Minnesota collapsed on Gustafson. I just don't think this Flames team. When you start putting five guys in the in you know in the in that box area in front of the net below the hash marks, it's death for them. I think they tried to a certain extent, but I mean, this was you know in 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 hockey we talked about scheduled wins. Basically, yeah, if you're okay. playing a team yeah. that played the night before and traveled, it's a scheduled win. For if you're who? Rested, the other team isn't. For, for who? Who was a scheduled win for it last night? It should be a scheduled win for the rest of the team. The oh, okay. Flames have sort of okay. bucked that trend at times this year. Yeah. But, and the, weird, the weirdest thing is for back-to-backs, the Flames have a better record the second game of back-to-backs. I know. It's, it's the spookiest thing. Yeah. But, you know, they, they were facing a team that lost it, that, that left uh i think they played until 11 uh 11 o'clock uh calgary time i think it was 10 o'clock 10 yep. 10 to 30 local uh then the flight got delayed they didn't leave uh vancouver until about 1 30 they didn't land in calgary to about 1 40 then by the time they got to the hotel they lost the time change that's so right it was you know it, this was this was as much help from the schedule and from sure. the time zone gods as the flames were going to get and give them credit i mean they were playing a team that looked gassed at times and tried to collapse down, but you know, they, you know, they, they lost, uh, you know, they lost uh, one of their players to, uh, mm-hmm. to a, uh, Matthew Joseph uh, left halfway through the game yep. after getting crunched by Tyler to uh, You know, they had a few players just get absolutely hobbled by blocking shots. So uh, I think they tried to do the old uh, shell and they just, they couldn't execute it because of the fatigue. They couldn't execute it because, you know, the flames out battle them. I think, yeah, give the flames credit like they were the faster team they got to the 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 you know the the upper grabs areas much faster than ottawa did mm-hmm. and yeah ottawa was tired but the flames had the opportunity to beat up on a tired team and they did it yeah. so i think you got to give them a bit of credit for that oh, no but- I, I give them credit i just uh, watching anaheim on friday night it it just feels like Without Goudreau and Kachuk, and I know at some point we have to say goodbye and 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 not talk about them anymore, but when they get to those teams that collapse and they have all that body in front of the net, they're just not skilled enough to pick corners. They're not skilled enough to find yep. lanes. They still try. I, th- I think Cam Sharon uh, noted this when he was uh, on Twitter this week. He was t- talking about the the flame style of game and you know their their pure shot volume game. And he noted he's like a lot the teams that have success translating shot volume into a lot of really good scoring chances are the ones that can sort of get those secondary chances and get inside mm-hmm. the, the hash marks. Yep. And the Flames were really good at that last year, for example, because you know. Bless his heart. Sean Monaghan built his career off of getting those kind of greasy goals. Yep. He also got his, you know, for lack of a better term, he got his ass kicked. He, yep. you know, he, his body is in shambles now. I hope he has a good post post hockey career yep. and that he's, you know, he is able to do a lot with the money he earned because he earned that money the hard way. Uh, but, you know, Kachuk was kind of like that. Uh, mm-hmm. They've had a lot of players. I think Kadri is probably the guy that embodies that the most. But, yep. you know, it's a style of game that really – 
demands the players collapse down to get those second chances. And if the other team battles harder than you or the, or you don't get the bounces, right. there's not much you can do. Right. And unfortunately this year, but by hook or crook, by bad luck or just bad execution, they just haven't been able to translate that, you know, massive shot volume into a lot of secondary chances right in the spot area where that's where, that's where most of the goals are scored in the league. Do they have a primary shooter? I know Toffoli takes the shots, but I, you know, and again, this is old man talking to guy who's there. Iginla, Camilleri, you know, even Kachuk to a certain extent. Do they have a grade A shooter? Is that part of this? Are they taking too much time Tifoli's to get pucks away? I think the closest one. Okay. Um, Toffoli's the closest one. Kadri, you know, I, I'm willing to give Kadri a bit of a pass for this season because mm-hmm. he had such a long year last year. And to be blunt, he got beaten to hell winning a Stanley Cup. So, I mean, yep. If you would, if you get a ring, you get a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. But yep. there's a lot of guys that had much longer summers than him that just haven't been able to to execute the same way. I mean, you know, Kachuk, you know, was that guy for the Flames before. Goudreau had that skill level where he didn't really need to get into those areas because he was so good with the puck and you know his ability to do that kind of thing. I mean, you know, Lindholm was also a guy that did that consistently. But again, you know, they they haven't been able to you know his wingers haven't been able to as consistently at five on five right. translate they're into the zone on the wings and, right. Oh, here's a chance. And a lot of them get swallowed up by the goalies now. And right. you know, it's, it's minor execution things that just snowball on them. Unfortunately. Yeah. No, I, again, you know, here we are, whatever, I guess it was game 67 last night. So, you know, and, and we've already talked about how far it's slipping away. Some of this stuff. And, and, and the next question I have think is a perfect example of that maybe it's not, how much of this is just us not having to talk about a, a ship that's sinking and all of the bad things that may happen in the off season and all the difficult choices, but, you know, just trying to still talk about hockey issues. And, and I would point to how big a deal is it that Jonathan Huberto goes back to the left side? I think it's a pretty big deal. I mean, okay. he's, he's, he's set the national hockey league assist record for a left wing last year. And granted, Different system. Granted, Florida's power play was a lot better than Calgary's is this year. Yep. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that went well for him in Florida mm-hmm. that haven't gone as well. But I mean, you know, the the big bugaboo I think for the Flames this year has been trying to get Huberto going. I mean, early yep. in the year, he you know he was I think he was dealing with an illness and a minor injury early on. He was playing through it, then he missed a couple of games, then they put him with Backland, and you know, basically once he got put with. Uh, on the Lucic line, like Lucic doesn't play his off wing. He never has. So since about December 20th or 22nd, he was on his off wing and he, you know, he produced, he got some, you know, his boxcar numbers were a little bit better there than they were on his left side, but his underlying numbers, like he was much worse defensively. Right. He just seemed, didn't really have the comfort zone playing, playing the two way hockey. Yep. Uh, his, uh, you know, he, he was a better offensive player, but at the, at the cost of his defensive side and, you know, all due respect to, to Nazem Kadri, all due respect to mm-hmm. Milan Lucic, you know, even, even, you know, give, give, uh, give your respect to guys like Nick Ritchie and Jacob Pelche. They're not, two-way players who can cover up deficiencies the way, say, Blake Coleman can or the way Michael Backlund can. Right. And so they had the ability to, you know, when he was on the left side, put him with guys, Lindholm is one, Backlund's another, who are really good at sort of covering up the holes in their teammates' games. And basically, you know, they're so – especially I, I think Lindholm and Backlund are – Backlund specifically, very underappreciated outside this market. Yep. Probably always has been. Yep. But they're so good at sort of just – filling in the gaps with their line mates. And 
you know, without, if you're not playing on the line with those two guys, mm-hmm. it's tough. And you really have to have the attention to detail where it needs to be. And unfortunately, if you're still learning a system, if you're playing the off wing, if you're still adjusting to a lot of little intricacies that you're not used to, it can be a tough night. And, you know, I think, you know, they're working on it, okay. but the clock is ticking. I think that was probably one of the better games I've seen Kadri and Huberto play effectively yep. in a while. Yep. And, you know, granted, Bear in mind the opposition, but the, right. they had the ability to, you know, have that as a slump buster to get their games going. And, you know, now they're heading, you know, the looking ahead to the road trip. I mean, they got Arizona on uh, on Tuesday. That's a, a tough building to play in with how, you know, Arizona is not nearly as bad as people think they are. They're very scrappy. Clayton Keller is exceptionally good. And then you go to Vegas where they've gotten one point in however many years that Vegas has been in the league. It's, yep. it's their new house of horrors. It's taken over for Anaheim. <laughs> And they just, they just can't, <laughs> yeah. they've never, they've never won a game no. yeah. in, in yeah. Vegas. I think they've won or they've led, I think for a grand total of maybe 30 minutes yep. total. Yep. So, and most of that came in the last game in which yeah, they blew I think a two goal. Before that, they were, they we, had the lead for like two minutes uh, right. in a previous game of the previous season. Yeah, and they blew a two goal lead. Michael Backlund, I have a question. I have a more of a comment. Uh, I'll lead with the question. Is this his most impactful season as a flame? Yes. Okay. Yes. He's, you know, it's a team that, you know, for lack of a better term, doesn't really have a clear identity before mm-hmm. they were sort of the, you know, they, they had the guys that came in, you know, Monaghan was a, a guy that helped build the team identity. He came in in 2013. They signed Gaudreau, you know, late in his first season. Then yep. they brought in, you know, uh, somebody named Matthew Kachuk, you know, they, and even Sam Bennett, when he came in, like mm-hmm. there was a bunch of guys that sort of contributed to their team identity that all sort of disappeared into the wind over the course of an off season. And it's, you know, I think at times the team has sort of been trying to figure out what, you know, what they are outside of their playing style, like what, you know, what they want to be. And, you know, Rasmus Anderson is pretty, pretty, you know, vehement about it last night yeah. when we spoke with him. Yeah. He said, you know, he's our leader. He's, you know, yeah. he's been their most consistent player. He's been arguably their best player night in, night out. And, you know, combine that with the fact that, you know, he's been with the organization the longest and he wears a letter. He's basically their leader. He's been their de facto captain first over the boards in every game situation, just about. And he's, he's been what they needed him to be. I mean, he's never going to be a 40 goal scorer. I don't think all due respect to him. That's not his game, but you know, he's so good at so many other things that, you know, if he's on his game and he can shut down the other team's top guys, you have a chance to win. And he's been able to do it more often than not the season. And, you know, Barring barring some weird bounces, I mean, if the goaltending is a little bit better this season, I think we're talking about. I think you look at Backlund's numbers and go, "Ooh, maybe he's you know he's been bandied about at the Athletic uh, Donald session when he does his uh, awards watch columns. He's been you know constantly touted as a as a selfie trophy yeah. candidate. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to win. He's you know, no, probably no. going to be second in voting behind Patrice Bergeron, yeah. if not a little bit lower. But I mean, being in the same conversation with Patrice Bergeron for that award is such. Uh, good company be to be keeping uh, and now and now the comment and uh i've i've made this comparison before this is completely me don quixote tilting at a windmill why isn't he the captain like it's absurd uh, it's i get it 30, 34 next week and his contract has to be left i think if not for his contract status i think he probably would have had the letter i uh, see i don't think he would have i i think it's daryl i don't think daryl wants a captain i think daryl is the captain Thinks he's that's how he runs his. You talk to enough players that have played for Daryl in LA and San Jose and Calgary and other places as a coach. I think he takes 
upon himself to do a lot of the routines of a captain. And I just think, you know, he said in, in events this year that he thinks in a Canadian market it's too difficult to be a captain. Hogwash. I think it's just the way he coaches teams. I think Michael Backlund should be the captain of this team. I think Michael Backlund should have been the captain of this team when Mark Giordano left, but that's nobody gave me a vote. So anyway, again, not a question, my friend. Just just me tilting at a windmill. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think when, when Daryl talked to us about not naming a permanent captain at the beginning of the season, I think his process, his thought process was, I think he implied he wanted to be one of the guys who are, you know, 30 and under and under contract for a while because, you know, there, yep. I, I yep. see the point, like, you know, you've been in this market long enough to remember the 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 constant, you know, up until Jerome McGinley, long-term fans will remember this, short-term fans won't. Uh, before Jerome McGinley, it was basically a merry-go-round of temporary captains. You know, Absolutely. Craig Conroy for a couple of years. Lowry. Uh, Lowry, Smith. Bobby Buchner, yep. uh, however many guys, Todd Simpson, yep. Theo Fleury for two years. Yep. Like pretty yep. much since since the uh, since the Flames did away with the tri captaincy after the '89 season, yep. and you know I think they had Brad McCrimmon for a year, and then it was just I think the longest term captain between. Uh, the 89 team and the 2004 team was like three and a half or four years mm-hmm. of Joe Newendijk. And yep. then once he got traded, it was just a merry-go-round. And if you're, if you're someone and you want to have stability in your room, if you want to have continuity in terms of building a long-term leadership plan for your team, mm-hmm. I get it. You probably want to have somebody who's going to be around for a while. It's like, if you're running a business, you don't want to promote somebody who's going to be gone tomorrow. You want to be able to invest in that relationship. So I get it. it, it but- okay, so th- th- let me stop you there. If it's not him, and I'm making you the general manager or the coach, whatever, the, whoever is going to appoint the next captain or pick the next captain, who do you see on this roster potentially as the next captain? Oh, that's a good question. Is, is, um, it, is it Dubé? I don't know. I, I really think that Nazem Kadri has a lot of the yep. attributes that would okay. make him good at it. He's, and he's here he's for a while. Those guys yep. where yep. It, with, when they win, he comes out and says, here's why we win. Here's who, here's who deserves the credit. And if they lose, he says, here's why we lost. Here's how we need to do better. And I have a lot of respect for that. And I think that's, yep. you know, okay. That's so a good call. Externally, that's a lot of the job internally. I've, you know, I've never been on an NHL team, so I don't know what the role is like being the buffer between the room and the coach. And even in a Daryl Sutter team, is there much of a buffer? Is there a buffer? You, you have to be able to stand up to Daryl. You have yeah. to be able to go into Daryl's office and push back. I, I'm not telling and any I, and secret. I think that's how I yeah. think that's how they chose the guys in L.A. I mean, the guys in L.A., you know, were very strong voices in that room. Right. And it worked. But I mean, you know. I think I think one of the if if we're going to get all macro here, I think one of the <laughs> big challenges the Flames organization had post 04 was trying to replicate what worked in 04 into a completely different hockey environment. Yep. And in the same in the same lens, I think it'd be very challenging to try to replicate what worked in L.A. in the oh, 2010s I, to, I, to now. I agree. You know, so I agree. I, I, but I think that's the challenging part, especially, you know, coming out of, you know, if we're going to be blunt here, coming out of a pandemic situation where, you know, they, they had a year where the guys never hung out for or very mm-hmm. much. And, yeah. you know, it was, it was such a, such a tough situation that, you know, from a team building standpoint, are they behind the eight ball? Granted, you know, a lot of teams were, but especially with the amount of changeover that was going my, on in the group, my do own, they know each other well enough? My only argument to that is, and and I I don't find fault with anything you're saying, but you're the one that brought up the macro. Um, nobody had a problem giving Landis Cog or McDavid the, the letter as teenagers. 
Like I think, I think we get way, I, I think, and I might be guilty of it right now. We get way into our heads about this and maybe I'm obsessing on something that doesn't need to be obsessed on, but I'm, I'm also accusing the, the other side, the the other point of view is obsessing. I, you could have named a captain. If when, when, uh, you know, Craig Conroy in, uh, Oh three went, you know, he went to the coaching staff and said, give it to Jerome. He's the guy. I'm not sure that's what happened. Not sure that's that, what hey, happened. That's the mythology that we that, that is the public story, and that is the mythology. Not sure that's what happened. But he was, you know, Jerome was the obvious guy. He was, he was the, the ob- best player. He the was team. the he obvious guy. The gold medal, like he was. Right. If you like, and I think that's where you go with you know with Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid at eighteen nineteen. You know, you know, you know, you know, he's not going to regress. He's not going to suddenly become. But you, know, you didn't know he was a captain. Do you know what I'm saying? He's the best player on your team. Right? I think that was the gamble, but even even if you look at how he was in uh, in the OHL, he was always kind of sure. because oh, of I, his ability to play. He was always a jump on my back, boys. Let's do this. Sure, hundred percent. So was Landis Cog. I mean, and everybody. So was the Ginla. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But they they Ginla, they took a little more time. But they also had Marty Jelen around him. They also yeah. had uh, Craig Conroy around him. They also you had also Dave had, Lowry. Right. You also had Rob McGear for a lot of his tenure. Yeah, a hundred percent. He did. No, no. I, my my point being is I, I I you know again just me I don't own the team I'm not the manager of the team but I don't buy the captain and I look at Backlund this year and I look at Backlund last year and I look at Backlund next year and to your point three years isn't a bad run for a captain especially if you've got one in house and maybe you do maybe it's Kadri and you got him for what six after this so you could have given it you know I get your point I think you're 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 wise to bring up the point of. Huberto and and Kadri need a year. I don't disagree with that at all. And if they put the captaincy on on Kadri next year, then I'll just I'll I'll once again look at this camera and go, guess what? I effed up again. I was wrong, and here and here's why I was wrong. But as I sat sit and watch Backlund play right now, you know and I know how difficult it is to draft, develop, and have a player that's not a top 10 player, top five player, become what they're supposed to become and then stay with your organization till the end of time. Do I think Backlund's going to retire as a flame? No. Do I wish he would? Yep. Because I think it's a great story. And maybe all I'm doing is fanboying out to Michael Backlund today, Piker. That might be all I'm doing. I think it, I think he deserves it though. I mean, he's he, he's one of those guys that, you know, I, I, I put him, you know, great. I think Ryan Newton Hopkins has had a little bit more, you know, fanfare and ballyhoo up mm-hmm. north than, yep. than Backlund has out here. And I think yep. I think Nugent Hopkins probably gets the recognition outside of that market a bit more than Backlund does. Right. But I mean, if you look back at sort of all the things that have worked for the Flames over this generation, let's say since yep. 2014, yep. a lot of it stems from him being that stabilizing force and working and sort of the same reason why, you know, a lot of what the blue sure. line worked for so many years under with, uh, with Giordano where, yeah. you know, Giordano, even when he wasn't, you know, Norris level Giordano, he was always very good and he could cover up a lot of deficiencies that other players had. Yeah. No, I, I very good conversation, by the way, I'm glad we had this one. I'm glad we went down the, the path because it's one that I chew in my brain a lot. Let me, let me bring you to the other one that I chew a lot about. You, you referenced him, and he's actually the guy that started this conversation, Rasmus Anderson coming out yesterday after the game and, and talking about the impact of Michael Backlund. What, what, where, if, if I gave you a shekel and I said you can place your shekel on three options, one option is he is what he is, this is what he's going to be, a really good you know, 
playoff, non-playoff team, but a really good, you know, uh, top three, but not spectacular. All-star or Norris Trophy candidate? Where are you putting your shekel? For Anderson? Yep. I think there's still room for him to grow. I think I don't think he's topped out yet. I no, think, I don't think he has either. I don't know if I, I don't know if he's going to be a Norris level guy. It would he wouldn't surprise me, but I he'd think have he to in the way out. that Giordano became one, right? Because I don't yeah, think I, well, right? Giordano's a unicorn. I mean, nobody gets better after they turn thirty, and a lot of times when you get right? the letter you know, on your you're, chest, you're right. You know, it, it wears on you a bit. Yeah. So Mark Giordano is a friggin' unicorn. Yeah, but I mean, I think you can look at a lot of how guys develop. I mean, they they've been really cautious and very instruct like you know he was a guy you know i had a long conversation with bradford living about uh, rasmus anderson a while ago mm-hmm. and you know he mentioned you know when you're drafting you, you try to find deficiencies you can work around and they're they loved everything about him except he wasn't in great shape nope. they're like cool he was not well you know ryan yeah. van aston's here we can figure that out yeah. and you know they publicly challenged him uh, mm-hmm. at a development camp that he just wasn't in great shape and he went home and he worked his ass off and yep. you know his girlfriend uh I believe fiance don't know if they're married yet but uh, his partner is uh really into health and nutrition that's been a good uh a good thing for him because he's gotten you know he's he's progressively gotten better and better every year right and there's a level of confidence with him in the puck i mean he, very rarely do you see defensemen score shorthanded goals because very rarely do they have the, the gumption to jump into a rush like he did and say pass me the puck i know we're shorthanded but i have a shot open uh, Steve so, Monitor, anybody? Yeah, yeah but that, but it's, <laughs> this is a historical level, reference, right? Oh yeah, it's but it's a level, it's a level of, of, uh, of yeah. uh, swagger that sure. he didn't have in his game. Right, he's always had some cockiness in his game, for better or for worse. But having that kind of, uh, you know, that uh, awareness, that swagger, that uh, that uh, you know, certain amount of killer instinct to say, Je ne sais quoi. right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, what the French would call, I don't know what. I don't know uh, what. Yeah, no, but okay. But he's, so, he's, but he's he's one of those guys that I think he's still such a sponge for learning from guys that I think, you know, give him give him another summer, and I think he's going to find another level. I don't know when he's going to top out, but right now he's you know he's a he's a good to very good first pairing guy on this team, especially offensively. And you know if I think if if the Flames had a better power play, like if they had yeah. a little bit more luck, a little bit more pizzazz in their power play, yeah. imagine how good Anderson's numbers were because they have a a bottom third power play yep. right now, yep. and his numbers are still pretty impressive. When I, I don't know, and and it really doesn't have much to do with this argument because we're talking about the player as he is now, and I agree with you, he has room to grow. But I remember one of the first times that I ever learned about player usage um, and and how the eye test sometimes isn't the be all end all was Dion and that you know Dion was getting a lot of credit as a rookie of the year and he was getting a lot of oh maybe he should be in the Norris trophy and then I Jim Playfair took me aside and said he's hidden we hide him when when did what was the evolution like for Rasmus Anderson and his usage I mean when because I'm assuming he's getting you know top situations right now at the same rate that a Chris Tanev is am I close pretty close and I I think for, for Rasmus, it helps that right now, like I think switching Weir and Hannafin mm-hmm. was a nice move to sort of balance things out because Hannafin has a lot of offensive, you know, mindset to his game. And he's playing with Tanev now, who's Tanev is good at everything, but Tanev is just such a good defensive defenseman. Like he's, he's a sponge in that way. And Mackenzie Weger is quietly having one of the best shutdown defender years in the NHL. I mean, his offensive game is. I'm sorry, what? Are you serious? 
in the yeah, NHL. Yeah, Mackenzie Weger, his defensive, his defensive metrics in terms of nothing happens for the other team for the most part when he's on the ice. Granted, he still has that what Brad for Living would call the big mistake. Uh, where occasionally, right, like yeah, when, he, okay. when he, yeah, yeah, but he has the puck a lot. He's on the ice a lot against good teams, yeah. and he just he's a he's a negator. Like nothing tends to happen for for the other team. And playing him, someone who's so good at the defensive side of the game with Anderson, I think a covers up the parts of Anderson's game that he's not exceptional at. Right, and so you have that balance. Right, and it gives you the ability to sort of put them in stronger head-to-head matchups against the other team's best guys. I mean, we, we've seen a lot of Backlund's line yeah. and Uyghur and Anderson yeah. up against the other team's top dogs. Right. And it works because, A, the Backlund line is very good at maintaining possession, but the fact that they're so good at that allows them to give Uyghur a bit more of his own time, give Anderson a bit more of his own time. And if things go back the other way, mm-hmm. you have your two or three best four checkers amongst the forwards to help out too. So, I mean, they 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 do that, but – I think he. I think if you're, it's a situation where they, they, Daryl tends to go strength versus strength matchups as yep. much as he can, yep. and so I think doing strength versus strength with a strong two way uh, forward line with them really allows them to to thrive in that situation. Hmm. Uh, I I didn't realize he was among league leaders. I really didn't. So I, that's a that's an interesting observation. He's, he's going to get no like no the, no 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 no. The, the big challenge with the Norris is no, no. it tends to be the oh, points and guys who yeah. score a lot who aren't bad away from the puck too who aren't you know, who aren't if, bad. Yeah, if Mackenzie yeah. Weger can can figure out the offensive side of his game yeah. over the next couple seasons, like he's signed for like a hundred million years or yep, seven yep. or thing. Yeah. If he can build out that part of his game a little bit, and I think playing with Anderson as much as he's going to will help him. Mm-hmm. I think the Scott, like we talked about how, how much potential Anderson has. And Anderson has a ton of potential. I think he's starting to really realize it. Mackenzie Weir is one of those guys that he's going to start emerging as one of those. Like he's been a, a best kept secret for a while when, when the Flames got him. A lot of the, the folks uh, in yep. the analytics circles were like, ooh, that's a good pickup. Yeah. I bet you their data guys were like, make sure you get that guy. But in a year or two, he's not going to be a best kept secret anymore. No. No. Uh, one last one for you. Um, speaking of best kept secrets, uh, here we've been doing this here program almost for a month now, and I'm not sure that I've ever uttered the word Calgary Wrangler. Uh, but they clinched a playoff spot. They're playing out of the Dome. Uh, there's a lot to like about this team. Give me a, your thumbnail sketch of, of I, I, don't, I think it's quiet if you're just casually observing. I, I think someone like yourself, this is not a shock and not a surprise, but this is a really good season that Mitch Love's team's put together. And- and I'll give them – let's let's give them a lot of credit here. Yeah. So last year, the Stockton Heat were a, a powerhouse. Mm-hmm. Like they had Mackey, they had Balamackey, they had the best goalie in the league, they had Phillips, they have Pelche, they had Zara. Like they, they had a lot of guys, and they had a lot of veteran players. Like they had, you know, Luke Philp and yep. uh, Justin Kirkland and guys like that. Like they had a really good mix of established AHL guys who could play in the NHL and had – along with a bunch of young guys and it worked and they went on and they lost in six games in the, the conference final round to the eventual Calder cup champions, the Chicago wolves. And so then you lose a bunch of guys in free agency because a lot of these guys, you know, Glenn Godden, you know, went yep. to, I believe to Anaheim, yep. uh, Luke Phil went to Chicago and so on and so forth. Like they lost a lot of those established guys and they had to replace them. And after they replaced them, you don't know how it's going to come together. They got off to a slow start and they're, they're the, I think uh, they're t- 
number one in points in the in the entire AHL. They're number two in points percentage, which is actually ha- because the, the, number the teams of games, all yeah. play different numbers of games. That's yeah. how they determine it. Uh, but by any metric, they're the one or two team in the league after changing over probably about a quarter of their roster. Uh, they haven't had Walker Doerr for the last month and a mm-hmm. half because he's in Calgary. They haven't had Philip or uh, uh, Jacob Pelche for about uh, 60 days because he's been up here. Yep. They haven't had uh, Dennis Gilbert. Like they've, they lost a lot of their best players and kept on rolling along. A lot of that is because of, you know, their, their goaltender is exceptional. Uh, I, to, to, to use a Jay Feaster phrase, Dustin Wolf is probably the best goaltender, not the NHL right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at his numbers, he's probably going to be, if not the outright winner, a strong contender for the uh, the, the Baz Bastian Award for yep. the, uh, the the American League's Goalie of the Year. He won it last year. Two prior seasons there, he won the Western League's Top Goaltender Year Award. So he's going to be the best goalie in the league he's playing in for four seasons in a row. That's insane. No one ever does that. And so if you have goaltending, it gives you the ability to do a lot of things. But, you know, for a team without a lot of starred blue liners, they've, you know, they've had some growing pains from uh, Jeremy Poirier and, and Yan Kuznetsov. They're making steps. Uh, Ilya Solovyov is, you know, he doesn't have a lot of upside at the NHL level. He's probably a third-pairing NHL guy. He's a second, third-pairing guy at the AHL. But he's he's a black hole for scoring chances for the other team. Like, nothing happens when he's on the ice, for better or for worse. Uh, and <laughs> Those guys are hard to find. If you're a minor league team and you just want to, you know, calm things down, you throw him on the ice. Uh, they're getting, you know, we, we've talked a lot about Jacob Pelche. He's graduated. We talked about Matthew Phillips. He's still top five in the league in scoring. Yep. Uh, Connor Zary is quietly one of the best stories in the flame system because he, you know, he missed a good chunk of last year with a few injuries. He poor guy broke his broke his ankle or his foot blocking a shot in a in a pre preseason game a prospect game two days before the preseason was opening he he got knocked out wasn't really completely on his game until about christmas or january of last year so right. he basically only had a half a season he was really good in that half a season and he's been as good this season in a full season as he was last year in his half a season. And they have a lot of, a lot of things like that. A lot of guys, you know, Ben Jones has been a really good, good uh, ad for the, for the Wranglers. Uh, you know, Cole Schwent has been sort of hot and cold, but he's starting to get going again. Emilio Peterson is a little bit of a, of a, a beguiling player because yeah. of his consistency and yeah. lack thereof. But when he's on, like he's, he's very, very good when he's on. And, you know, it's sort of, it's a, it's a an interesting mix of guys. And, they have some guys who they haven't really seen a lot of at the AHL level this year because they've been so jam packed with players. Uh, Rory Karens is currently injured in the ECHL. He was he was I believe second or third in the OHL in scoring a year ago. Uh, but you know right. they got they have too many players the Wranglers. Uh, and you know I I think the, the 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 exciting thing for me is a can the Wranglers keep this going? I have no reason to to expect they can't, but can they keep this thing going? And what happens if the Flames get, you know, don't make the playoffs? They're going to get, they're going to get Dewar and Pelche back. Yep. They're potentially going to get some uh, some players from the the other junior leagues back. The Flames have quite a few players uh, in, uh, you know, that, that are qualified for the playoffs in uh, the Canadian Hockey League's three branches. They're not all going to play until the championship. I mean, Seattle is probably going to play into the Memorial Cup because right. that, that's how they're built. Everyone else, it wouldn't shock me to see them wear Wranglers sweater before the end of their run. And, you know, uh, if you're, if you're a hockey fan, you're going, dang, you know, the, the hitmen are, are in a, you know, the fight of their lives for a playoff spot. They yep. still might make it, uh, you know, the Wranglers 
are a safe bet. The Flames still might make it too. But if you're looking to uh, to see some hockey potentially into May and June, I I wouldn't bet against the Wranglers because you know they, well, yeah, and, they have a lot of things going for them. And they're and I think they're going to get support. I think if the the other two teams aren't playing, I think though hockey fans will find their ways, and some people might see their first Wrangler games in the postseason. But you know what a, a mausoleum Stockton was. There was no energy there. So, and I swear that in a six game series against Chicago, you know, having a crowd behind is going to make a difference in a series like that. So it they could be on a long run here. Yeah, and even even just the idea that you know you have access. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're a Wranglers player, you can sit in the stands and watch a Flames practice. You can see sure. what Backlund does day to day without having to be on the team. You can see what yeah. Toffoli does with a shot. You can see a lot of those little things that can turn a, a you know a slump into right. not a slump and a streak into a long streak just by being around the Flames. You know, just yep. hanging out and being around them. So that's uh, it's it's a very interesting time for that group. Good stuff, my friend. What's uh, going on, Flames Nation? Today's mailbag day. What uh, what else should we expect this week? Oh, we got a bunch of stuff. We got breakdowns of Nick Ritchie's game coming up. We got breakdowns of uh, where uh, Coronado watch is well underway. Right. Uh, Harvard has a very interesting weekend coming up where you know they'll most likely get invited to the national championship tournament. They'll play weekend after this coming weekend, and then who knows? Who knows? And you know. so uh, I'm working on a piece. Uh, to uh, just look at the balancing act the Flames have, because if you're a Flames fan, if you're hoping to see Coronado, you might not be you might not be cheering for wins. Because if we're being honest here, the sooner the Flames are a little bit out of it, the easier it is to put a 20 year old kid in. Yep. And if you're you think you're a mistake away from making or not making the playoffs, maybe you don't want to put a 20 year old in. And I think uh, if you're the player that weighs on your mind, if you're the team that probably weighs on your mind a bit. Good stuff, pal. Appreciate this. We will catch up with you again next Monday. Uh, as always, uh, thanks for all of your help and, and the great conversation because there was a lot of cool things we got to today. Thanks, thanks, pal. Okay. Thanks for having me, man. You betcha. There you go. That is Ryan Pike from Flames Nation. By the way, we are live in the Oodle Noodle studio. Local Love Delicious. Since opening their first store back in 2005, Oodle Noodle has been all flavor and just the right amount of weird. Two locations, 1244 17th Avenue Southwest and in Airdrie, 105 Main Street North pickup and delivery. Uh, I forgot to mention today's reading assignment. I thought this it was interesting. Um, a little bit flag wavy but worth it ken rosenthal from the athletic uh, wrote a piece called if team usa will be handcuffed by pitching restrictions why is it even worth playing in the wbc so uh the u.s got beat up by mexico yesterday i mean the, he's he's not wrong i mean canada's going through it anybody with a uh, a major league baseball pitcher prospect you know your hands are tied here at the World Baseball, as they should be because of the timing of everything. But I just picked that one out today. So uh, if you want, and if you are an athletic subscriber, because it is a subscription, uh, check it out. That's Kenny Rosenthal. If Team USA will be handcuffed by pitching restrictions, why is it even worth playing in the WBC? Uh, we started this show today without a theme song. I have, I have decided that's it. That's all. Uh, we are going to have a theme song for this podcast starting on Wednesday. Tune in Wednesday. I have something I think you're going to want. Well, I hope you're going to want to hear it. I hope you're going to want to hear it. All right, let's get into the final mile, shall we? Um, uh, this one's a little personal, but I'll, I'll start there. Uh, uh, kudos 
to the players of the Calgary Hitmen, including uh, Riley Fiddler-Schultz, their captain, and assistant captain uh, Sean Chagall. Um, it was uh, Bret Hart's game on uh, Sunday, uh, Saturday afternoon. They got shellacked in a back-to-back with Red Deer. They beat Red Deer and Red Deer and then lost 9 nothing at home. But yesterday morning, 8 o'clock on a, uh, as we all know, spring ahead, um, the entire team showed up uh, at Max Bell 2 and skated with our superheroes program. Um, there's a, a connection between uh, superheroes and the uh, Calgary Hitman. The Hitman players have, have helped the last two teams get their equipment and get them all fitted and everything as, as kind of a community outreach. And this is the second time that the Hitman have come skated with uh, the superhero players. Um, the second weekend, the second Sunday they've had off. So both Sundays they've had off this year. They've come down early in the morning and skated with the kids. It's important. It really is. It makes a difference. Um, you can go on our social, my social media, uh, Heroes Hockey social media. There's lots. The Hitmen have some great social media posts. Why this is important, but I just want to tip my hat to the leadership group. Um, there's lots of reasons why that team I could have begged off for, or not shown up yesterday, but they showed up in mass early, and I really do appreciate that. Uh, I wrote about this on LinkedIn today. Um, need your help? This is a call for volunteers. This is a call for help. Um, I have uh, proudly uh, had the opportunity to work alongside the Calgary Booster Club uh, on some events uh, in my time here, and the Booster Club is now heading into their 70th year of promoting not only sport, but sport leaders and athletes, in particular high school sports and volunteer coaches, Olympians, you name it. Um, Their annual gala highlights the male and female athletes of the year. Um, They they have an award for the Special Olympian of the year. Uh, They hand out thousands and thousands of dollars of scholarship to high school athletes and and to Olympic athletes, and they've done so uh, for many years. But they also keep the legacy of sport in our city alive. they're, they're a great group, but they need to pass the baton. They want to pass the baton. There's a lot of, uh, of people who, well, haven't seen all 70 years, have seen the last 50 or so, and they put in their time. And, uh, you know, as we know, it's difficult sometimes to, to, to keep service clubs alive, and I wouldn't necessarily call the Booster Club a service club, um, but they have a long, rich history, but, you know, and they've got some, a little bit of new blood in there but really are looking for Calgarians who want to promote sport, Calgarians who want to um, kind of keep the history alive, really. It's about the legacy of, of, of what amateur sport has done in our community, all sports, really, what's done in our community. Check them out. Check out their website, uh, Calgary Booster Club. Um, they're always looking for volunteers. They have events. They have some fundraising goals. But more importantly, Think about how you can be part of that group. I, I know that uh, what I love about young people now is they want to give back. They, they, they feel that they have a role and a responsibility to be part of our community and be on boards and things like that. So this is a call out to those who, who really want to help um, keep the legacy of sport in our city and, and keep the Booster Club's work alive in this day and age. Check them out online or go to my LinkedIn page. You can find the story on it and you can get the link there. But I'm really looking for some people to step up and help us. Uh, again, I'm not really affiliated. I've just hosted some events for them. Uh, but I believe in what John Jewell does. I believe in uh, Don Buchanani. Um, there's some great Stan Schwartz has been around that group. I, I'm going to miss some names, so I'm not going to go too much farther. But we're talking about people in their 70s and their 80s who 
who have been involved with the Booster Club for 50, 60 years. And it's time now to pass that baton on to a new generation and, and grow it out. There's all kinds of opportunities to grow out the legacy of sports in our city. Okay, that will do it. Uh, thanks to Mike Board from the Calgary Roughnecks. Thanks to Ryan Pike from Flames Nation. Coming up on Wednesday, Trent McClellan from This Hour Has 22 Minutes, uh, Calgary comedian. Uh, he's a big, huge Flames fan, a big, huge hockey fan, so we'll talk to him. Cheryl Bernard, uh, yes, that Cheryl Bernard, a Hall of Famer, uh, from the Hall of Fame, and also working on a really cool event that's coming to our city next year, and, and we're going to put the call out and tell you how you can get involved. On Friday, I will be in Ottawa. Uh, but I will join the show as a guest. Uh, Danny Austin is going to be your host on Friday. Danny Austin will host this program coming up on Friday. And a week from today, Kelsey Snow uh, live in studio with us as well. So we got uh, a lot going on. Uh, thanks to Gavin today and Mark. Uh, uh, we got a little problem fixed there. We got Bordy on, so I appreciate everybody's efforts. Have a great Monday, everybody. We shall see you soon. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.